you're full of crap. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, June 3rd, 2012. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 414. This is No Agenda. Celebrating our tungsten jubilee here at Camp Mofo in the capital of the drone star state, Austin Tejas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Opening with a stinger. Nice. Whatever, whatever it takes. Wow, man. Are we in the vacation period or what? I mean, we've got nothing but Diamond Jubilee on TV. <laughs> and the crazy yeah, thing all the is... the shows are off. The, the, the Diamond Jubilee, which apparently you can celebrate on your 60th year of, uh, of uh, top elitist. I mean, the way I remember... I tw- Diamond was 50. No, Diamond is gold, 75. No, uh, Diamond uh, is gold seventy five. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a sentence is that? <laughs> that, 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 that? I'm practicing to be Aaron Burnett. Uh, no, fifty is gold, seventy five is diamond. It's it's a nothing. Sixty isn't even anything. You know, you're not supposed to get anything at sixty. They're probably so why are they going on and on about it to distract everybody and these stupid slaves. I mean, I see uh, you know all the reports. We've got all the reporters in England. It's raining. It's the coldest day, the coldest spring day ever in Europe today. It's raining. It's coming down in buckets, and the stupid slaves are standing there with their with their flags. Ah, wait, I can't wait to see the old lady. She's coming, the old lady in her golden carriage. Oh, that's why I didn't realize this was going on. I wasn't obviously following the english stuff but I, every time i turned on the tv they had a thing on one of the bbc shows where where prince charles discovered some old home movies <laughs> made, made by the Shoot, queen shooting uh, elephants in africa no doubt no actually it was her <laughs> playing with him when he was a little little one-year-old toddler uh-huh and it was actually kind of funny but it was like it's why, just, it's just why the, are they it, showing me this? It just never ceases to to amaze me how easily distracted people are, or may, maybe they're just like so happy to have a reason to party. I don't know. It's uh, it's baffling to me. Although I have to say, there's actually there is some interesting uh, television going on. CNN has done something uh, interesting for once. And now that, um, of course, Piers Moron had to go back to the UK to celebrate the uh, the. Really? The queen, I thought you'd get the queen, arrested if the you queen, went back. The queen lizard. Oh, he might not even be there. So they had these guest hosts. And that's pretty interesting. Harvey Weinstein did a, yeah, did a guest host. I missed host. that. I wanted to see it. That How was, was good. It? Yeah, it was good. And I saw um, Regis Philbin with David Letterman. Outstanding interview, I thought. You know, I mean, totally un- it's inside baseball. I think very uninteresting for, for yeah. uh, the normal public. Be like, who are these two old guys? Um, but you know, I, I thought, you know, that's actually entertaining. I, I sat there like, Oh my God, I'm, I actually said to Miss Mickey, I said, I'll be right there. I'm watching CNN and I'm engaged. Can't believe it. Yeah. Well, it's cause you have people that are somewhat engaging as opposed to Pierce Morgan, who just seems <laughs> like a stiff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there is stuff happening for sure. And, and I have to say, I'm getting worried. I'm really getting worried. That um, you know, we've who who's the who was that uh, douche? Cass Sunstein. Is that his name, Cass Sunstein. Yeah, Cass Sunstein. Yeah. The uh, 
Yeah, he the, said... The uh, finagler. Right. He said, you know, we have to infiltrate uh, these groups and work them from the inside. And I, th- I think it's pretty much happened at this point. Um, there is... Uh, the, and I see it on noagendanewsnetwork.com. I'm going to start clearing that up because people have, have added a lot of... Still, you know, a lot of these sites that aggregate stuff. And I, and I like some of them, but, you know, you get like activist posts and... Uh, See, the way we set noagendanewsnetwork.com up is you can just add an RSS feed. And the idea is, you know, you create a blog somewhere, add your own RSS feed. And if you find something interesting, you post about it and it shows up on the news network. And so I'm kind of battling where people are like, yeah, this is a great source of news. So, you know, every week there's a deletion of infowars.com. It's like, you know, that's not a great source of news. That's an aggregator of stuff. And it all has to be vetted. we got to look at it. And then we still have a couple of guys like the Den Man and... Uh, a WT. I mean, they're really doing a great job and, and finding stuff and posting on their own feed. And that, but there's stuff coming through that really has me worried. This and actually, I, I watched some C-SPAN. There was something going on. Uh, this uh, and and everyone's on top of this. The ITU. I'm sure that you read about this. Uh, you read this story. The ITU. The, the ITU. Well, they, what did they do now? Well, so the ITU is the International Telecommunications Union. Right. United Nations uh, outfit. And um, so there was a, a hearing uh, at uh, on the Hill. And the hearing was about, and, and, I, and remember I told you, you can, you can look it up in the right book. I said, ICANN, there's something weird going on at ICANN. These are the guys who uh, control the, uh, the internet names and indirectly the, uh, uh, the, the root domain servers. And, uh, you know, the... The previous shill just got uh, you know retired, and you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And so Vince Cerf is uh, on the hill, and he's testifying uh, uh, because the the word is, and if you look at the ITU website, they don't. There's no actual mention of it, but there was an interview, I think, in Vanity Fair, of all places. Are you are you talking to someone else? No. Oh, or maybe just some feedback. Um, that the head of the ITU wants to take over the uh, function functioning of ICANN, and uh, you know, for, and of course, I'm against all United Nations uh, organizations, so that's not a good thing. But then when I I just hear how this, and this is the 30 seconds within the first 30 seconds of this two and a half hour Senate testimony, I knew this thing was rigged. Listen to this. This is the chairman. He's uh, uh, Greg Walden, uh, Republican from Oregon. Good morning. I want to welcome our witnesses and appreciate their testimony today. Uh, this is the Subcommittee on Communications and Technology and our hearing on international proposals to regulate the Internet. Nations from across the globe will meet at a United Nations forum in Dubai at the end of this year. And if we're not vigilant, just might break the Internet by <sighs> subjecting it to an international regulatory regime designed for old-fashioned telephone service. Okay, so the setup is there, right? You need need to watch no further, really. (laughs) It's like, okay, so we know what your agenda is, Mr. Chairman. They're going to break the Internet. You know, and and the concept of breaking the Internet is pretty vast, if you really know the technical workings of it. Uh, The only thing that can really be broken, I think, at this point, is the domain name system. That's what this is all about. So then uh, there's a lot of testimony, and Vince Cerf, who I would like to remind everybody, is uh, he works for Google, okay? Um, he, he works for Google. 
Uh, Google has a stake in this. And I could play you clips of his testimony, but I found the written testimony to be more important because, and I'm finding this more and more, um, because there's a lot of stuff in there that that they don't say in the actual testimony, but that but the real record is what their written testimony is. And I, I just you know I'm like um, I, I, you, I want you to follow along and tell me if you think I'm off base here because I think something nefarious is happening. So he starts off, uh, you know, with his uh, chairman Walden, ranking member Eshu, members of the subcommittee. First of all, he touts about his, you know, his, uh, there's his background, a VP, a chief internet evangelist at Google Inc. I always run away from people with an evangelist title. Uh, I also serve as a fellow for the, the IEEE. And uh, last week, he was elected as president of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. What do you know about that uh, organization? Is that anything valid? I think it's a drinking club. That's what I thought. And then here's something weird. Uh, if I would be testifying on the Hill about podcasting, just, I can pretty much guarantee you this one thing I would not say. I would not say, you know, I'm the podfather. I mean, do you think, how does that sound? Would that sound kind of? I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to hear you say that on the Hill. Yeah. Don't you think people will go like, what a douchebag? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, here in his testimony, as one of the fathers of the Internet and a computer scientist, I care deeply about issues relating to the Internet's infrastructure. I found that to be kind of douchey. You know, you don't think that's douchey? It's not it's not uh, flattering. No. Okay, so he's here to do in this testimony, which is only three pages, the Internet and the ITU. So he starts off. That's the subheading. After its inception as a U.S. government project, after the Internet has been decentralized to maximize the effectiveness of open, bottom-up, multi-stakeholder approach. I, I find that to be factually incorrect. Why? It, it, was, it was the concept of the Internet. I mean, DARPAnet was not the Internet. DARPAnet was DARPAnet. The Internet is the oh, decentralized... ARPANET by DARPA. I'm sorry, ARPANET by DARPA. DARPA inside. So th- that's kind of a... I, I find that to be a little misleading to say after its inception, the Internet has been de- decentralized. Now, the Internet is a decentralized network, and the only core protocol that matters is TCP IP. Uh, many multi-stakeholder organizations have played a fundamental role in Internet governance and evolution. These include non the nonprofit ICANN that oversees the handling of domain names. So now he's setting up the ICANN, and he talks about the Internet Society, which, by the way, are a bunch of elitist pricks. You know, back in 92, all, all of this was coming about. You know, we had the Internet Society, uh, the EFF, and I tried to join these organizations and was shunned. You know, they wouldn't even return a, a call or an email. I mean, have you ever sat in on this drinking club, the the ISOC, the Internet Society? Um, no, no, but I, 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 you're probably right. Yeah, and I remember my domain name dispute with MTV. I went straight to John Perry Barlow EFF. They're like, nah, no, nah, we're not going to help you because they're elitist pricks. Uh, for example, although ICANN has representatives from all regions of the world on its board, more international voices could be added. So he wants to keep ICANN going because it, there's a lot, as we've already discussed on a previous show, I can probably point to that one in the show notes. There's a lot going on with ICANN there. I do not think they're kosher at all. But here's the pitch that uh, Vince Cerf, this is what I was getting to. 
quoting from him, we also need to work together to create and refine voluntary developed codes of conduct. A U.S.-based nonprofit called the Global Network Initiative is a great example. Ah, okay. And then he goes on to talk about this GNI. This is the one we've got to look at. And I want you to go to uh, globalnetworkinitiative.org so you could take a look at who's in on this. And they have some core documents, which I've, uh, of course, read for uh, so you don't have to. And uh, right here on their homepage, uh, the whole thing is about human rights, John. Human rights. Human rights and the Internet. And, of course, there are only really three founding members of this outfit, and that is Google, Yahoo, and Microsoft. And they are planning to take everything over. And that's why Vint Cerf is out there shilling on the hill, is they, they want the GNI to be the one that makes all the rules. And if you look at who's um, on the board, on the, well, just look at staff, if you, uh, if you will, the GNI staff. Then you can look at the board of directors. Um, the executive director here, Susan Morgan. I wonder if you know any of these people. Susan Morgan, Morgan British Telecom shill. The independent chair, a uh, former... Uh, uh, Where are you getting this? Globalnetworkinitiative.org. No, I'm on the site, but I've downloaded the... Uh, oh, no, well, no, just on the site itself, click on About. Okay, well, yeah. this damn thing, instead of loading it separately. Well, since I've got this thing open, I just want to see what Susan Morgan's message is. <laughs> yeah, she's got a message. <laughs> yeah. she is. She looks like a Googler. She actually looks like... Well, she's a BTer. No, she's a BT. She you got a picture of her? She looks yeah. like Sergey. She does. She, you know what? She might be. In fact, yeah. Well, Sergey. Yeah, she gets does look. Out of dress she does. Look, yeah, <laughs> it's Sergey and drag. Okay, so Sergey and drag is heading this thing up. It's obvious. But they just look at all these people, man. These these are all elitist uh, corporatists who want yeah. to control the internet, and that's what this entire discussion is about. Is is not about. I mean, of course, I'm against any United Nations organization running anything for us. Yeah. But, what? My browser locked up. Uh, Adobe Acrobat. One or more PDF documents are open inside a web browser. If you exit Acrobat now, those documents will be closed. Are you sure you want to exit? And it says exit and cancel. I click. Nothing happens. I click. Nothing happens. I click the little the X in the red box. Nothing happens. I click on do not show message again. It doesn't click. Now I'm screwed. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, well, let me just uh, control Alt Delete. <laughs> Will that break our Skype connection? Are you going to go away? <laughs> no, no. I'm just going to. I'm going to hit the. I'm going to hit the. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, what happened? Oh, finally came back. Never mind. Okay, good. <clears throat> okay, about us. Right. Just look at these people. The, Board of directors. These are the people you need to be afraid of. Don't <laughs> be afraid you, of. You've actually gotten quite good at. Uh, at finding these uh, obscure websites. I don't know why these people, they should just shouldn't put anything online. So you got Steve Crown from Microsoft. I don't know any of these people. No. But you see the three. I mean, the people who are running this, Microsoft, Yahoo, and Google. Yeah, those are the ICT companies. The independent yeah. chair is German Brooks. Yeah, that PricewaterhouseCoopers guy. But then civil... Oh, he's just a bean counter. Yeah, yeah, civil society organizations, Human Rights Watch, Center for Democracy and Technology, Committee to Protect Journalists, Human Rights First. And we know, as we've discussed, whenever someone is touting human rights, it's probably being used to shut you up one way or the other. Human rights, my my butt. Where'd you get the, where you got the... 
human rights thing. Where, oh, this is a board of directors. Board of directors. I'm looking at it. it says the board is comprised. Yeah, it does yeah. not see anything about human rights on this page. Scroll down. Civil here. Five companies. Civil society investors, academic, academic, following members, serves as alternative board members, NGO yeah. alternatives, yeah. company alternatives, Google, Microsoft. You have the same people. Yeah. Uh, academic alternatives. And where's human rights? Up at the top there. Civil society organizations. Oh. Oh, Human Rights Watch, right, top guy. Yeah, Center for Democracies and Technology, Committee to Protect Journalists, Human Rights First. This, you know, and, and, of course, they're all to, it's all about human rights. Human rights. And their whole, I mean, what does the Internet really have to do with human rights? Nothing. But they're gonna no, be, it's a network. Yeah, but they're going to be using human they rights. they have human rights about Windows 8? <laughs> it's not, a new Windows not, 8 human rights initiative. Uh, is there? Is that really exist? No, but it might as <laughs> it well. Might, it might, yeah. So, but what's happening is is everyone is focusing now on this ITU and, oh, it's horrible. And, and in the meantime, they're slipping in this global networking initiative and it's going to be run by some corporations instead of what initially was intended to be good was the nonprofit ICANN. I, you know, I, I have big questions about that, as you know. And at the end of the day, I, you know, we're really only talking about who controls the domain name system. I don't really think, you know, you know this is my, my own theory, I don't think anyone can control the network, the TCP IP network, because if they could, we'd, all, we'd already be taxed. We, you know, we'll, we, 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 there'd be no access without paying extra. So I, I, don't, I think that genie's out of the bottle. And so what? Go break the domain name system. Something else will be rebuilt in its place. Well, you can always go with the direct connections to the IP addresses. Yeah, well, I, yeah, no, of course, that's almost going to be impossible because as of today, uh, VP6 is, uh, is up and running and it's supposed to be replacing everything. Is that uh, so who's running it? I, I, Who's running IPv6? I, well, I'm not running IPv6, am I? Probably. No. You might be surprised. Almost every router's got it built in. Hmm. I don't know. You'd have to take a look at what your IP, current IP yeah. address is. But if it's really long and weird, which, by the way, makes it impossible to do uh, direct IP addressing. Instead, you know, nowadays, you could, if you lost your domain name, you could put an IP number in there, and it's pretty, you know, what is it? Well, One, two, three, not, I'm look, I just did what's my IP address, what's my IP.org, and it's just a regular number. So well, it's supposed to be up and running today. Yeah, right. Okay. That's what they say. But you understand my point that the, the, the issue that I – so the, the real problem that I have is that the alternative news sources start freaking out about the wrong things, and they're being indoctrinated, in this case, by Google. Google is really not your friend. I'm just not buying that they're our friend, particularly not when someone gets up there and says, eh, I'm the father of the internet. Do what I say. <laughs> yeah, well. I think you need to be a little careful about stuff like that. It's definitely. Uh, and when, yeah. the, when the stooge gets up there and says, yeah, I, they're going to break the internet. You're going to break the internet. And no one calls him on it. Excuse me. That's kind of bull crap. What you're saying there, breaking the internet? Well, if you break the DNS system, you've bro- for all practical purposes, you've broken the internet. Mm. 
Well, so I, I don't think that's on. on and, I, and that's been the fear of Icon all along. Because they used to brainwash me with lectures <laughs> about once every couple of years. They'd fly me down to San Diego or wherever it was that they have yeah. their offices in the Southern California somewhere. Yeah. And then they, they moan and groan about how the Russians and the South Africans and the Brazilians and all these other douchebags want to, and Saudi Arabia want to get a hold of the Internet so they can screw up the uh, – Screw it up to keep themselves in power, yeah. so they don't have to deal with it. And then they and they and, send, and the, the backstory is that they don't know how DNS works. They're going to screw up DNS and break yeah. the internet. That's yeah. that's what they're talking about. Yeah, but we could. I mean, I, I have no doubt that if the D, if the DNS if the domain name system is gets gets broken, that something else wouldn't emerge very quickly. I mean, we have our own DNS server. I mean, I know all of us are just like, oh, okay, we'll just switch over to this. You know, there would be a start. I mean, it would be a huge problem. Yeah, we'd have like a, an audience of 40. Well, that's only 10 less, so it's not it's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we've got to be careful. And you need a, diance, uh, a balanced diet of news is what I'm saying. And you can't just be uh, looking at these places that are aggregating and saying, oh, uh, yeah. they were wrapping it back around to the no agenda news network complaint. That's good. Yeah, It's a ring. Yeah. <clears throat> it is a ring, but the best one, the best one. And of course, now I'm, I'm really awake. Now I'm really looking out for this Fukushima bull crap that we talked about. So here's the latest. <laughs> and this, and you know, now that I see all of these uh, stories aggregated, U.S. Army General says the whole northern hemisphere at risk of becoming largely uninhabitable. <laughs> I like that. And this one's <laughs> propagated far and wide, John. It's all over the place. And everyone's copying basically the same story. And so, so I'm like, okay, I got to trace this one back. And, of course, you know, in this are uh, quotes from uh, that, uh, that douchebag that we already unmasked. The uh, what's his name again? Um, well, look, listen, if, if a story starts off like this, according to a host of scientists, nuclear experts and researchers, we are facing exactly such a scenario. If you read that, stop reading any further. Host of scientists, dire words like this, chilling. So here it is. According to U.S. Army General, which is actually uh, he is major general. Albert N. Stubblebine III retired. The situation... What does he know about it? Well, is he part of a committee studying it? Oh, I'm glad you asked. He has a website. and Because now, now I'm tracking these things back. i got to find out where it came from. So uh, I'll play you his, uh, his little clip, which is... It's a video clip, and they've edited it where he literally jump edits, like boink, boink, boink. <laughs> but listen to how it starts off. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, be very afraid. We have alternative news for you. Mainstream media is covering this up. Very, very dire situation. Fukushima. Now we see big nuclear clouds on the screen. <laughs> Listen to him. He's standing in his barn, I think, outside. This, this is the intro music. Oh, here My we name is Major General Albert N. Stubblebine III. By the way, great name. If you add the third after anything, it's like, oh, man, oh, he's been in this for a long time. This is the guy. Major so, General Al Albert N. Stubblebine III. Listen. This guy retired in 1984. I know. Listen. And he's also known for his interest in parapsychology. I know. Well, sh don't he's blow it. He's a nutball. <laughs> U.S. Army retired. 
I'm the president of the Natural Solutions Foundation. Uh, don't, go, don't go Googling yet. I am deeply worried about your health and the health of your family because of the Fukushima disaster. My specialty is intelligence. Ah, intel. I warned you of the dangers of the swine flu vaccine, and you stayed away in droves. Thank you for saving me. Yeah, geez, I'm glad he's the one. He's the guy. I warned you of the dangers of GMOs, the genetically modified organisms. And now, today, there is a powerful movement to get them out of our food supply. Thank you, General. Major General. Retired. And off of this planet. So while this is playing, John, go to... Well, wait a minute. I want to throw another little tidbit in here. No, no, no. Just go to his website first. GeneralBert.com. Okay, hang on. B-E-R-T. GeneralBert.com. Now I am warning you of the greatest danger to your health and to the health of your family. Oh, God. In human history. <laughs> and the four simple steps the guy's a that psycho. you can take for your family and your health. The situation is, frankly, quite dire. Dire! And that's an underestimate. Underestimate! Fill in your email now so that I can send you my vital and life-saving estimate of the situation. It's free of charge. (laughs) Free of charge. Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! You're all going to die! Listen to me! Okay, so this is the guy that was was the staring at goats guy. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, he's the... He was a proponent of psychic warfare when he was in there. He's the one, this this guy. He involved in the U.S. military project to create a a breed of super soldier, have the ability to become invisible and walk through walls. Wow. Stubblebine reportedly attempted to walk through walls himself (laughs) without success. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Oh. So what do we got here? Anyway, so the... I'm going through the network today, and every single feed that I find that has posted this story is I'm removing because this is this is the stuff. You know, we, we've already discussed the actual reports about Fukushima, and this guy is still saying, "Yeah, Fukushima has already released as much radiation into the atmosphere and Pacific Ocean as Chernobyl. The potential for a disaster at least ten times worse." If there's another earthquake, the cooling structures will collapse. This is, this is not true. And by the way, I lived in Europe when Chernobyl took place. I do not glow in the dark. Really? Well, let me just turn off I the light. I thought it had nothing to do with that. <laughs> but I remember all that. Cloud coming over. Oh, the cloud's over Holland. We're all going to die. Did not die. And please, when you uh, want to debunk something through email, don't email me a link to Wikipedia, okay? That's not going to cut it. I'm very interested in opinions and experts and people who work in the field. Sending me a link to Wikipedia is, is not proof. And if you don't, and when we say, when we call it the book of knowledge, that is meant kind of with a wink, just so you know, in, in case you hadn't caught on to the show yet. Yeah, well, we. Uh... We see the Wikipedia as a uh, as a bunch of facts that certain people put up. Many of them for political reasons. Yeah, uh, it's not a uh, 
Especially with stuff that's, that's contemporary. It's not very uh, good to know no. or very no. accurate. No. We did have another one that came up, and I think it showed up on the No Agenda News Network, which is the Sanjay Gupta. Uh, uh, what was, oh, what was that? About fructose and sugar. <laughs> I've got a lot of sugar stuff for you today. I, I, did you have a, do you have a clip of him? Uh, yeah, I do have a clip. I have... Uh, I had, this was a long segment that was on 60 Minutes, and I only have this part of it, which is the guy, he's talking to some guy, some doctor who's an endocrinologist, who's making the claim that sugar is toxic. And yes, then yes, I yes, believe yes. that this whole thing was done to... Uh, it's going to kill you. Was, was done to uh, kind of soften the high fructose corn syrup argument because uh-huh. the guy claims, even though, you know, this is like... He makes the claim that sucrose or sugar, table sugar, is exactly the same as fructose uh-huh. because it, sucrose is actually uh, two molecules jammed together, uh, uh, fructose and glucose, and it forms sucrose. And it's a, it, it you know has it has its own characteristics, mm-hmm. and, and it's not fructose, not free fructose. But they make this claim to just to get us back on the bandwagon. Oh, HFSC. Well, here, here's what it happens. They start off saying it's toxic, toxic, toxic. The guy's obviously crazy. And the only thing you come away, you walk away from this whole th- debate is, well, the guy's probably nuts. And, and, and also high fructose corn syrup is the same as sugar, which is bull crap. And uh, play this clip and you'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, wait, wait. And also... To make it even more interesting, they drop a Lady Gaga meme <laughs> into it to kind of really boggle your mind. <laughs> Bread, even peanut butter. And what about the man-made, often vilified sweetener, high fructose corn syrup? Is it worse than just table sugar? No, because it's the exact same. They are basically equivalent. Problem is, they're both bad. <laughs> they're both equally toxic. Toxic. Since the 1970s, sugar consumption has gone down nearly 40%. But high fructose corn syrup has more than made up the difference. Dr. Lustig says they are both toxic because they both contain fructose. That's what makes them sweet and irresistible. We love it. We go out of our way to find it. And I think one of the reasons evolutionarily is because there is no foodstuff on the planet that has fructose that is poisonous to you. It is all good. <laughs> so when you taste something that's sweet, it's an evolutionary Darwinian signal that this is a safe food. We were born this way. Oh! We were born this oh! way. <laughs> well, you know, NBC was on this bandwagon, but they took a different track. They say <laughs> sugar is as bad as tobacco. <laughs> this is an attempt to tackle this epidemic. And this, by the way, is uh, Mayor Michael Bloomberg outlawing uh, the sale of 16-ounce drinks in restaurants and theaters. Demick, we've talked about, Nancy, of obesity in this country. Is this the way to go about it? A very famous doctor, Dr. David Lustig at UC San Francisco. He's so famous. That's the same guy that was on 60 Minutes. Yeah, exactly. He's very famous. Says yeah, that he was born that way. <laughs> 
sugar is toxic and should be regulated like tobacco. Whoa. It's rewiring the brain. It is not necessary for anything in the human diet. Uh, I think it's a very bold, big move, and I have no problem with it. So Donnie, we want local government telling us what we can and can't consume. Is that, are you comfortable you know with what? that? We complain that our politicians don't take stands and aren't courageous. God bless this guy. You know, this is <laughs> God bless Michael Bloomberg for telling us to sit down and shut up. Wait, this is so, no different than tobacco. We solve tobacco. obesity. We solve the health care problem. Absolutely. We've got to do something. Yeah. So, of course, every time you make a revolutionary move, there's going to be some complaints. Are they stepping over the boundaries? I applaud them. Yeah. I applaud them. Get rid of biscuits while you're at it. So there's a, if anyone can get a copy of the Saturday New York Times, there's a collector's page in there. The Saturday New York Times has got a picture, a full-page ad with Bloomberg dressed up as an old Jewish woman. <laughs> Making this claim that, you know, that they're just it was an attack ad against Bloomberg, I guess, obviously, from the beverage industry. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's quite collectible. Very well, funny. Let me um, let me play a couple of clips from an interview of Bloomberg. And uh, just to give you an idea. Now, you know, this started, of course, with smoking. And he's also going to make the uh, the tobacco correlation. Uh, where smoking is effectively banned in uh, in New York City, and uh, you know, I can tell you what's going to come next. By the way, that's an obvious one. But first, let's listen to him. Well, wait before you when you make your prediction, is it going to have anything to do with the fact that none of these companies or the people involved actually helped him get reelected, and he had to go to his own bank account to to get his mayoral job, and this is all payback? Is that possible? Um, it could be possible. I think, if anything, he's trying to help out the movie industry by making people buy more than one drink. But, the, you know, well, listen to the to the first clip here. This is the shut up slave moment from Michael Bloomberg. Well, the, the way it would work is simply those organizations, that those industries that we regulate, which are uh, restaurants and movie theaters and carts, uh, they would they can still sell 32 ounces of the sugar drink to you, but they'd have to put it in two containers. And the idea here is you tend- now notice he's saying sugar drink. He's not saying high fructose corn syrup. He says sugar drink and he expands on that later. To eat all the food in the container in front of you. If it's a bigger container, you'll eat more. If somebody put a smaller glass or plate or bowl in front of you, you would eat less. And at this point, there's a, an, an epidemic in this country of people being overweight, bordering on obesity. The number of percentage of the population that's obese is skyrocketing. In New York City alone, the number of deaths from smoking has declined so much and the number of deaths from obesity has gone up so much. Those two are about to cross we're gonna yeah and i find, i don't find that crazy by the way because ex-smokers tend to grab onto something caffeine and sugary drinks is uh, is a great surrogate for smoking so that doesn't surprise me i have more deaths from obesity than from smoking uh, we've got to do something about it everybody's wringing their hands saying got to do something well here is a concrete thing you can still buy large bottles in stores you can still still because that's going to be next but still but in a restaurant 16 ounces is the maximum that they would be able to serve in one cup if you want to order two cups at the same time that's fine it's your choice <laughs> go ahead order two it's more expensive Expensive. We're not taking away anybody's right to do things. We're simply forcing you to understand that you have to make the conscious decision. to. We're simply forcing you to make you understand. Yeah, this is a, this guy should be in Berkeley. Now listen, now listen to this one, because he's, remember, I don't know if you heard it, he said, you know, uh, people will eat whatever's in front of them. Well, he has science to back that up, John. Actual uh, science! science! 
Listen to this. And in schools, do you, are these now banned from schools? I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. It's this one. In this case, it's really the public. There was a great study done that people sitting in front of a bowl of soup, and as they were eating the soup, unbeknownst to them, there was a pipe coming into the bowl from underneath. And so the, as they ate it, the bowl kept getting refilled, and they just kept eating. And we all do that. That's just the way people work. Yeah, you're stupid. You stupid people. This is the way it works. You <coughs> stupid idiot. You just eat like a hog. This guy is an elitist prick, dude. Total elitist <laughs> prick. Bloomberg? Yeah. <laughs> You're kidding me. Is this a new observation? <laughs> okay, so he, here's the uh, here's what I found. Here's the meme he's introducing. And as it goes on to schools, listen to this this meme that he just keeps coming back to, which we need to look out for, which is interesting and in schools do you, are these now banned from schools i don't know We've, about the New York uh, we have a lot of cities around the country have no longer sell full sugar drinks in schools you we sell only diet drinks oh aspartame good oh, full sugar but what is this full sugar listen uh kids do tend to drink an enormous disproportionate amount of full sugar drinks so the average kid i think is something like three uh full sugar drinks a full day sugar drinks. at 12 ounces that you could not take that amount of sugar and put it in a tea and get it to dissolve, much less drink it. Oh, it's really? an enormous amount of sugar. And I will <laughs> really. <laughs> He's done some experiments. Full sugar drinks. I think, and so it's not. It's high fructose corn syrup. Coca Cola is not sold in most places. Certainly not in New York City with sugar. So when you say full sugar drink, I think that's the code we've got to be on the lookout for. What do you think it might be a code for, though? To try to making still high try to ram this idea that sugar and high fructose corn syrup is the same. And by the way, the obesity yes. thing, sugar has been around for a long time. We've been downing it since the, you know, the forever. Yeah. And, and the obesity plague only, if you look at the curve, because there's all these curves you show, sugar consumption is going down, like they said, and high fructose corn syrup consumption is going up. And that curve of the, of the high fructose corn syrup going up is exactly the same as the curve for obesity. And by the way, he says that obesity kills more than tobacco. How does obesity, how do people die from obesity? They die from some complication. They don't die from obesity per se. And there's plenty of big fat people that are like 90 years old. Yeah, name two. Well, I mean, there's plenty. <laughs> now, nah, the guy is a shill. And I think he's he's basically shilling for a multi, anyone who will pay him to say anything. But this full sugar drinks thing, that is clearly equating high fructose corn syrup with sugar. Full sugar drink. It's not, a, it's not how sugar, about this Mike. For a new, how about this for a new strategy? We're in a meeting. We're having our, little, right. <clears throat> our public relations meeting about... Uh, uh, so, uh, Adam, you know, we don't do this, this high fructose corn thing is driving everyone crazy. We got to get we're obviously not making the connection where everyone realizes that is what we want them to realize, which is corn, sugar, sugar. It's pretty much the same. Now, hold thing. on a second, uh, John. If you got an idea, should I call Mike? I got an idea. It right. goes like this. We're going to dissociate the two. Oh. So you have full sugar and that's bad. High fructose corn syrup is not sugar. They say that. They want to stay. They won't let us ah. use sugar. So that's not full sugar. There's no sugar in it. What a, a great idea. John, you're a genius. So we don't want full sugar drinks. We don't want sugar. Sugar is like tobacco. It'll kill you. We want high fructose corn syrup. You, sir, are going to be a billionaire. How's that for a possibility? I think it's i uh, I'm buying it. I like it. 
He, he had an interesting flub, too, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, just to make the point, this is 12 ounces yep. of Pepsi. This is 20 ounces, and this is what would no longer be possible no, to No, no, you can still buy it in the store. Absolutely, nobody's taking it. You just, when you order a drink in a restaurant or in a movie theater, they would have to give you no bigger than a 16-ounce cup. If you want to have multiple ones, that's up to you. We're not taking away anybody's right to do anything. All we're trying to do is to remind you that this is something that could be, should be, is, uh, not should be, is detrimental to your health. (laughs) It should be. Oops. It should be. Det- <laughs> it should be. Should I mean? I should be detrimental to your health. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Um, I like your theory. I really like that, and it, and it and it fits in with what uh, you had from uh, Gupta and uh, from the NBC panel led by Matt Lauer. It's like tobacco. It's going to kill you. We don't need it. Sugar bad. 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 Science will help you. And by the way, you're so stupid, you stupid slaves, that if we put a bowl of soup in front of you and we have a tube there and we keep feeding it, you'll eat. You'll eat until you die. You're so stupid. I'm reminded of the Irish joke. <laughs> what's, the, what's the Irish joke? Irishman finds a, uh, a bottle, rubs it, a genie comes out. Hey. Hello. I'm and a genie. G- genie says, uh, Three wishes. You've just released me from the bottle. You've got three wishes. And the Irishman says, well, that's great. And the genie says, what wish number one would you like? And the Irishman says, well, you know, it's, a, it's, it's hot. I've been working all day. I could go for a Guinness. And the genie says, I'll go you one better. Have this Guinness. And he puts a Guinness. Boom, shows up. The Irishman drinks it, puts it down. It fills itself back up. Huh. The Irishman goes, wow. He drinks it, puts it down. It fills itself back up. And the genie says, what would you like for your other two wishes? And the Irishman says, I'll have two more of these. <laughs> No offense to the Irish, who I think are actually pretty cool. And, yeah, well, uh, there's a there is a lot of news, <laughs> uh, uh, financial news that um, is coming out of Ireland and elsewhere, especially the EU. Yeah, and it doesn't look good. And I think no. we should take a break and thank our two executive producers before we. Yes, it's uh, it, we've clearly uh, June gloom is upon us, and uh, yes. it, you know I, I can't. Nobody listens to the show on Sunday, which I is can't be a handle the seesaw. You know, it's like we get great on Thursday, and then it's like a gut punch on Sunday. If we could just <laughs> even it out punch. a little. Yeah. It's like, you know, like a donkey punch almost. Donkey punch? <laughs> Do you know what a donkey punch is? You know what is? that is. <laughs> Google. Mm, John. <laughs> the book of knowledge. Just go- Google donkey punch, my friend. <laughs> okay, look, look at donkey punch. <laughs> The chat room's going like, oh, jeez. It's a sexual practice known as a during donkey style sex, especially anal. The reported practice involves a da da da. Punching the part in the back of the head? Oh, please. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. I got donkey punched. <laughs> yeah. Can't believe you, you, you and Mimi haven't tried that one out. So anyway, let's thank our two executive producers before we get we start losing listeners. Uh, beginning with our, we have two. We have one executive producer, one associate executive, Jan Kulia Pine, Pine, I think. What do you think? Does he guys? Well, he's he's, he's uh, Essen. Is Essen where? Deutschland. That's Deutschland. Essen, Deutschland. Jan Kulia Pine. 
Young, yeah. young Cole oh, Yapena is what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, with a Dutch accent. Okay. He's drunk, <laughs> so I have to read it as thus. <laughs> yes. It's five hundred seventeen. Wait, wait, wait. You have to do a drunk nice. German accent now. It's a little harder. Well, no. Well, <laughs> donating completely drunk, which should be a prerequisite. I welcome my new human resource, Elisa. Elisa. In Germany. In Germany. Germany. We have a tradition. I do have to do Germany. 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 In Germany, we have a tradition to get completely drunk to help the baby pee. <laughs> Guess I succeeded. Just want to tell the chance to tell you you rock and keep me insane. At least while I'm sober. Just hope my daughter keeps the same direction. Maybe with, without the help of the alcohol. The donation reflects your birthday, May 17th. Please, P.S. Please give my sweet daughter a clippity-clop karma so she will get behind this crap soon. It's clippity-clop. The message is clear. Just clippity-clop. You've got karma. Nice. Clippity-clop jingle with the... Uh... With coconut the with, the, with the coconuts, nice. Well, he deserved that for a five seventeen donation. No one, by the way, picked up on the lucky palindrome four one four. Four one four. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, you'd think yeah. our audience, but there no. you go. There you go. A uh, vaginelle in Chicago, Illinois, uh, two hundred fifty dollars and seven cents. Uh, that's it. No note except pronounced vaginelle. <laughs> uh, so we I, thank uh, him. It's actually a male. Uh, I'm not sure what the deal is. Well, I but. like I like the the vaginelle moniker. I like that. I think that's good. It sounds like a product. Yeah, that's why I like it. Ladies, have so you, those are our two for uh, those moments when you're producers, and we want to thank them, and uh, we'll talk. We'll thank the others later in the show uh, uh, for our show four fourteen, which everyone seems to have missed the. Uh, the palindrome there. Uh, yeah. I want to remind you to go to Dvorak.org slash NA, channeldvorak.com slash NA, no agenda show, and no agenda nation.com. And uh, help us continue this. Uh, hopefully, uh, next Sunday, we can have um, a little more even uh, donations. Vaginelle, for when you're feeling not so fresh down there. Dvorak.org slash NA. Two PR initiatives. I do. Well, actually, uh, just want to give a shout out to Mrs. Gitmo Slave. Uh, you know, Gitmo Slave is uh, he and Mr. Oil uh, have a, run our infrastructure, and uh, uh, Sir Gitmo Slave uh, is always there uh, every show day, no matter what, even on his daughter's birthday, like uh, on Thursday, to make sure that we get on the stream. <clears throat> and she just she's recovering from some surgery, so a shout out to her. And uh, Kiwi Chris sent me a beautiful email. Uh, with some pictures. Now, I, I'm not posting the pictures. Cause I don't know if anyone wants to know what Kiwi Chris looks like. If he wants to know what everyone that everyone knows what he looks like, but he's a he's a cyclist, and he has made this custom cycling outfit. Now you know these are the is what Lance Armstrong would wear, and um, it's actually it's really cool looking, and you can order them online. That's um, through a company called EclipseCycling.com. And I've uh, put the link in the show notes, uh, 414.nashownotes.com. I don't think we get any bennies from it, but he says it's a great way to to propagate the formula. He just basically uploaded these designs, and now you can can buy the gears. You know, those skin-tight kind of outfits. And uh, that's what I wear. Yeah. (laughs) It got no agenda agenda on his butt. 
So <laughs> as to when you're hunched over cycling on your 10 speed, everyone's like looking at no agenda when they see your ass. But it's kind of cool. It's, I think it's a good promotion. All these guys are filled with uh, with stickers and promotion and stuff. And this this looks really really good. So if you're you know this is all part I guess of our no agenda racing team initiative. So we have motorcycles. We have uh, we don't have it confirmed yet, but I think we have someone in the Mustang class. Uh, so we'll have a car, and now we have bicycles. So this is good. We need we need a boat, and we need uh, one of those uh, Red Bull planes. And, th- ah. and, th- <laughs> and then I think we're set. Yeah. Anyway, just another way you can go out and do something extremely important. You all can always try to propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Whoa! Order! Come on, kiddies, you know you want to say it. Shut up, Slurry. And, you know, people can go to Dvorak.org slash banners and pick up, a like, a one of any number of banners and put it on your on your uh, blog or put it or on somebody ass. else's blog or, yeah, put it on a hat. Or and you can... Um, by the way, you can John, also, by the way, repost our show. I wish people would do more of that. Yeah. Well, you know, Arsonomics does a lot on uh, on YouTube. I like what he does. Uh, he'll, he'll clip something he likes from the show and then he'll uh, do a screencast. You can look him up on YouTube, Arsonomics, good guy. And John, lest I forget, happy LGBT Pride Month. I didn't know it was LGBT. Yes. What about LGBTQI or whatever it is, <laughs> T? Therefore, I, Barack Obama, President of the United States, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim June 2012 as Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Pride Month. <laughs> well, I'm glad uh, they have a month instead of a week. And, so uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about, I was at the uh, office. At the at office Mevio, of Mevios, yes. And the Bravo people are doing a... Ah, uh, uh, you're finally on Bridezilla's. Almost. So the Bravo people are there doing a um, reality show <sighs> with uh, Sarah Austin as one of the players. What's the show? I, I don't know. It's called the Silicon Valley Titans or some some something stupid. That's Bravo. I thought that was like a CNN series. No, this is this is the Bravo the Bravo one. You can look it up. Let me find it. No, I'll do it that. You tell the story. I'll look it up. Um, it's uh, so I, anyway. So they're they're shooting this, and they and she's in there doing stuff. So I got to and I got in one of the acts. I got in one of the bits. I had to sign <laughs> off on it. But. Did you have to, Did you have to learn a script for this reality show? No, no, no. They don't. They, they it's, well, these things are non scripted. I mean, that's the way they work. But what they do is they they have you do stuff over and over, and then they they film. It's what I thought was interesting is the film crew is huge. They were like. Uh, at any given time, there's three people with cameras roaming around shooting everything they can. And then I, there's another two or three <laughs> oh, this others. Is, this that, is Randy Zuckerberg's uh, Yeah, Randy project. Zuckerberg's the one. Zuckerberg's daughter, uh, sister? Sister, yeah. yeah. She needs the money. Yeah. Uh, she has a bunch of stocks, so she's probably a billionaire. Anyway, uh, so they. But I was interested in the, in the process. And so... Uh, they have lots of cameras, and then they have a, this unbel- this one guy who's just the sound guy, who, who hides microphones on people and around that you and you you will never see these mics. The guy's really good at it, so the mics are all hidden on everyone. You got a mic? I'm sorry. Did you get a mic? 
I was mic'd. Yeah. I didn't get to take a mic home. That <laughs> don't mean that. <laughs> Were you mic'd? Yeah. Yeah, I was mic'd. Did you take it home? I, I thought <laughs> really? I should have just snuck out. He, as soon as you're done with your bit, the guy runs right over and grabs the mic because I think people try to sneak yeah, out. Of with course. Him. There's so many of them. Yeah. He's got this big. It's real interesting mixer. because the guy's got a big, like a backpack size yeah. thing in his in front of him. Yeah, he's with a mixer. A, with a huge mixer. Huge. Yeah. With things sticking in and wires, like about 20 antennas. And it's just this. The guy, I'm surprised he doesn't fall over because of this thing. And he's over. Oh. oh, sorry. He's adjusting stuff. The director has got it, this whole thing is a wireless operation. All the cameras are hooked to, uh, they're all filming at, and at the same time for all, it's all posted. So it's all being recorded. But they're also wirelessly going into a monitor. That yeah. the director has, he's and, the, he's, and it's he's a making portable it. handheld, looks like an iPad. Yeah, he's making a rough cut uh, right there as you're going. Right. Yeah. And he's and he's and he's got a little microphone right about a quarter inch from his mouth that he whispers into. Move camera five over to six. Move this. Move camera two. Move over now. Get that shot of that guy over there. And so you, but you can't really hear him. You'd have to go right, stand right next to him to hear his direction. But he's directing the the traffic. And there's and then there's one another guy with a big boom mic with you know the overhead thing because not everyone's mic'd. And somebody will jump in out of the blue, and this guy's got to run over there with the boom mic and hang it on the right, person. Right. Right. Uh, it was actually kind of interesting to watch. It was very uh, slick. Now, did you propagate the formula? I had my no agenda hoodie on. <laughs> said no agenda in the front. Don't you understand? The reason, here's what happened. John, no, no, hold on a second. Do you ever watch these shows? They blur that out, man. No, the guy came up. They, 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 the guy came up and asked about it, and I said. No, I own this. This is mine. It's public domain. You don't have to blur it out. It's not a. It's not a anything. Oh, we'll else. see. I'll bet you ten shekels. They well, they'll blur I, it yeah, out. If I don't end up on the they cutting blur out floor. pictures on the wall. They blur out everything. They're, yeah, they blur out. Well, if they blur it out, they blur it out. So anyway, but I did my best because I wasn't even going to go into the office. And somebody said, "Oh, they're shooting." I said, so I grabbed a no agenda shirt and ran in there and then threw myself into one of the bits. You're such a hero. Because I am, I threw myself into one of the bits because I was watching it. And I said, "These guys, this none of this is going to get on the air. These guys suck. <laughs> they suck. We, the people in our group, suck. They're not. They but, suck. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. I, I got the trailer here from Bravo for this uh, fantastic show called Silicon Valley. Let's see if we get it without it. Oh, I'm sorry, we had to get a commercial first. Yeah, the the internet is doomed, and it's not it's not Vince Surf. It's the commercials." That's what's dooming the internet. Adobe Flash. Oh, Adobe Flash is killing me. Yeah. Um, so it's called Silicon Valley. Uh, who they have on here? Anybody interesting? Uh, it's you know. Uh, I've never heard of any of them. <clears throat> no. It's Randy Zuckerberg is the biggest name on it, only because of Randy Zuck. Just call it Randy Zuck. Okay, I'm a Randy. Let's make Zuck. this happen. Bravo has the show's love, and this year we're giving you five more that you won't want to miss. Come on, be fabulous. New series. New York City is the only city I would live in. These seven chic women are taking on oh, the wait. New York City art world. What is the, the oh, this is all, the, this is all their new shows. Yeah, you must just kill it. Yeah. Hey, I think we've said enough, yeah, but, but it's. Apparently, there's another crew in town at the Cheese Place at, at the Ferry Building, and they took up, they bought a big giant, giant thing of cheese, you know, one of those giant <laughs> wheels, and they use it as a gimmick to roll it down the street 
which apparently irked everybody because it's just a waste of good cheese. And uh, <laughs> they, I don't know what they're up to. They rolled cheese down the street. Yeah. Hey, man, I got a great idea for a new show. Yeah. yeah, yeah I think most of this stuff doesn't get on the air. <sighs> well, anyway. And I didn't get paid, so I wasn't going to go back. No, of course. Well, that's the beauty of these shows. You don't get paid. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Well, great, John. So we're going to see, like, you walking in the background. The the guy with the huge unit will have you potted down, and you, and you'll have, be wearing a blurred shirt. And the, <laughs> and, and, the, and the voiceover will be, here's the voiceover. What's the, what's the girl's name in the show? Sarah Austin. Sarah Austin. For some reason, Sarah Austin's grandfather showed up walking around aimlessly. <laughs> he has Alzheimer's. Pay no attention to him. <laughs> you watch them make total fun of you. That's what these shows do. Yeah, well, I've just got the shirt on. I'm going for it. <laughs> Sarah Austin's grandfather. <laughs> now you're amusing yourself. <laughs> I am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Hey, now, okay, now let, let's get to something serious here. I what, am like the collapse of Europe. Yeah, go ahead. Hit me with the collapse of Europe. This, well, there was a. Uh, wait, well, hold on a second. We, we if we're going to do the actual collapse of Europe, then let's do it properly. The Euro. Proper. So uh, there was so Paul Krugman's on the road. He was on PBS. Paul and he Krugman, was in, the Nobel. And they, they, they flew himself to London to do news yeah, night. This is the no, Nobel Prize winning economist Paul Krugman. Yeah, who we, we have we we think is sketchy, but he definitely has nothing good to say about what's happening. And there's a couple of I got some clips, so some of them are a little long. But play the. They're all bad news. He's promoting his book, of course, which is, uh, what's the and name of it? Curiously, the they never mention the book on news. <laughs> he's, he's dumb is what he is then. He's, pre- he's on a book tour. That's why well, he's over there. He's promoting well, his book. He, he, didn't, he, got, he, got, he got screwed. We got play Krugman on Greece, and we'll get, we're, this is just the beginning of the gloom and doom. Oh, I'm sorry. I had the wrong one queued up. Krugman on Greece. Here we go. I want to live through. It's going to be awful. If Greece exits, it's going to be awful, at least in the short run. The trouble is that the situation for Greece is hopeless, and I mean that in a quite literal sense. Under the, under the euro, there is nothing on the horizon to suggest any recovery ever. We're looking at extremely high unemployment, extremely being shut out of the capital markets as far as the eye can see. And while an exit would be terrible, um, there would be, you can see how a recovery could happen afterwards. And I understand that nobody wants to bite that bullet. Nobody wants to take that decision, which is why I think it's actually the decision will be taken out of the hands of the politicians. It will simply happen. Yeah. End this depression now is his book. Yeah, well, this is what his his pitch is. So he, so he, now here he so is. So what is that? I didn't understand the pitch. What is he actually saying? He's saying that there. He's saying well, he but he's actually saying what Farage is saying, which is they should just kill this thing, kill this thing while they can. It's dead already. Okay. He basically wants to kill the 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 whole EU, but he doesn't come out and exactly say that. But if you play the. Uh, Play Krugman on Newsnight, and that you'll get a better feeling for where, where this well, is yeah. headed. I, I mean, the way I think about Spain is that for 10 years, they were seen as the golden boy of Europe. Wonderful place. Now it's safe because it's part of the Eurozone. Money flooded in. 
a lot of it, you know, German Landesbanken lending to uh, Spanish Cajas, which made loans to fuel the huge housing bubble. A lot of inflation. They get uncompetitive. Then the bubble bursts. And now, how do they get back to being competitive again? The current strategy is that they should cut their wages and somehow do enough austerity to pay that debt. And it's impossible. The demands being placed on Spain are impossible. If Greece exits, then everybody says it's impossible. Money starts flooding out of Spain, and then Europe has a choice. So what's the, yeah, and the choice is? Well, the choice, I think actually Ken and I seem to agree. First of all, the credit has to be made available. It has to be completely open-ended lending so that as people pull their euros out of the Spanish banks, so, the banks don't collapse. So there has to be a basically unlimited supply of euros from Frankfurt. And so there has more to debt. Be, well, yes, but it's going to be debt... To, of the banks to the to the European Central right. Bank, but that's temporary. We hope, because if peop, if the panic stops, then the money comes back. But you also have to have some inflation in Europe, so that instead of Greek, instead of Spain having to cut its wages, um, or at least not, in, it's not solely through cuts in Spanish wages. Instead, we're going to have rising German wages, which is a much easier way for Spain to become competitive. But all of this means a tremendous change in the German vision of what their policy is going to be look is going to look like. It's going to be instead of punishing the debtors and having price stability, they have to have something that is much more liberal in a way. They have okay. to have a party. Can we We've been saying this stuff for five years. Where can I pick up my Nobel Peace Prize? I know we have. What? So uh, and so it's ridiculous. Yeah, but the but it's funny that I was watching this stuff and I'm I'm just kind of shaking my head because I know that you know Merkel's not going to do the cheap Germans. You know, uh, well they started just this a bunch of cheap tightwads. They're not going. How many? You know, I mean, it just doesn't. You do not. They're not going to do this. They have the opportunity to take over the whole place, and they just won't do it. We say this week after week, but now it's getting to the point, according to, if you play all these clips, we're not going to do that. But Krugman actually says at one point, we got a matter of weeks to take care of this problem, because what's going to happen is that he says there's $3 trillion in foreign money in the Spanish and Italian banks that they'll just, that money's just going to get pulled out immediately, especially once Greek defaults, mm -hmm. the Greeks default. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to go into a just a because the Germans were just going to they'll pull back and just say, well, hell with it. Maybe we can buy cheaper down the road here as these company as these countries just collapse. Well, I just find it all incredibly entertaining to watch. Well, I really do. It's it is very entertaining. And and um And what do they expect? There was actually someone sent me an article. Do you remember Pim Fortan? Yeah. Uh, Professor Pim, who uh, would have become the prime minister of the Netherlands had he not been assassinated two weeks before the election. His party won posthumously. Of course, that was a disaster, but uh, his party won nonetheless. And the, 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 the country was really behind this guy. And um, it was an article he published in 1996 in Elsevier's magazine. He was a columnist for Elsevier's. And he literally, and it's, uh, it's, it's a Dutch article. Someone sent me a scan of it. He uh, literally said, you know, here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to get all this money. We're, and, you know, the bubble's going to burst, and then there'll be no way to, um, you know, to get out of it because no one will be able to uh, in, inflate their currency. It's going to be a disaster. The technocrats will take over, and the whole thing's going to come crashing down. <laughs> and uh, whoops. In hindsight, he was pretty right. You know, he's, only, he's known as the Dutch Le Pen and all this stuff, but he, he called it exactly which makes me 
want to be a little cautious about what we call exactly. And you got a couple bullets to his head. Yeah, well, he had a different profile than we do. Uh, we talk about flying saucers. <laughs> more of that. Hmm, let me just put that on the list. <laughs> we need to have more fly, more flying saucers. Yes, indeed. Do you want to play one more uh, clip? Krugman 2, the Euro has had it, I think, summarizes what we've been saying. But I think now that it's a, we have our guy, our New York Times guy, confirming it, uh, along with a, a Harvard uh, economist who is also on this show. Stingy. It's also about not wanting to have an open wallet, an open bar for the rest of Europe in perpetuity. They'd like to have some rules. They'd like to have some order. I'm not saying what they're proposing is, is necessarily nearly the end of things. I, I really think that the only way this is going to end is either Europe starts to look like a real country, and I mean France and Germany, part of the same country with a central government with a lot of taxing power or it splits up well, and unless they start moving that way enthusiastically soon i don't think anything's going to stabilize the situation well i hope ken's wrong about that because if that's the case then then it's over this is not because this could happen but only very slowly i mean i've actually done some numbers i've actually done ireland actually, versus nevada which ooh. looked not, not the landscape, but everything else looks remarkably similar. And because of the way the U.S. fiscal system works, Nevada is receiving what amounts to de facto aid on the scale of 5 or 6% of GDP from Washington. Try to imagine that Europe, that Germany be, would be willing to countenance a system where 5 to 6% of GDP, not in, not in loans, but in actual aid, is given to southern European countries at this point. It's just not conceivable. So that's going to be... That's a generation's work, and we don't have a generation. We may not even have more than a few months here. Well, by that analysis, the Euros had it. Well, I... <laughs> I like Paxman. By that yeah. analysis, the Euros had it, then. Is that what you're saying, Mr. Krugman, your <laughs> Nobel Euros Prize winner? The Euros had it. The Euro has had it. Oh, that's very good. Well, that's uh, nothing, nothing news to us. But it will be very interesting to see. And, uh, you know, and the debate uh, continues there. I, I follow Gitmo Nation Lowlands because I speak of the language. And uh, in general, the slaves are just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Got a new, new reality show. So all's good. <laughs> everything's <laughs> everything's well, they groovy. They do their best. Everything's groovy. At some point, but, they, but they're showing a lot of clips from uh, on some of these outside the U.S. news shows where there are just people rioting all over the place. And there's huge, in fact, we have even over in Chicago where we had large groups of protesters, the Iraqi veterans see, against see the war. That. You didn't see any of that. We saw it on Democracy Now!, which uh, nobody watches. No. But uh, it's really, uh, they're doing a they great were throwing, job of the keeping v the public at the bay. The Vietnam vets were throwing their medals on the ground. Yeah, I have a clip of that. That, that was hardcore, man. And it went on for a long time, but there's mostly Iraq and Afghanistani uh, veterans. And there's two things that, that came up. One of them is the, is the crazy global war on terrorism medal, which I didn't even know existed. Oh. But apparently everybody gets one. As soon as you join up, you get a medal. It's like a challenge which is, coin. Which is terrible. Yeah. But play, play this one clip. This is There were about 40 people that came up to the microphone and said, I, this sucks. I'm throwing my medals away. And they, and then they threw their medals down the street. I don't know what happened to them, but whatever the case, I, I have a couple here on the, the deserter clip. 
Because one of these women come up, she says she's a deserter, and then she says there's 40,000 of us. And why, I'm, wow. I'm wondering, I thought they would arrest you if you were a deserter. And you're Naval. Making- and I'm here to return my medals. NATO, the USA government, and Israel need to be held accountable for the war crimes, genocide, torture, and drone attacks. I'm returning my medals. They can have them. Stephen Lund. I'm a two-time Iraq combat veteran. This medal I'm dedicating to the children of Iraq that no longer have fathers and mothers. Biological chemical specialist for a war that didn't have any weapons of mass destruction. Ah, that gave me goosebumps right there. So I deserted. I'm one of 40,000 people that left the United States Armed Forces because this is a lie. Wow. My name is Steve Atchison. I'm from Campbellsport, Wisconsin. I was a Ford observer in the United States Army for just under five years. That's uh, that's hardcore, man. This goes on. Yeah, of course on. it does. Of course, it, you know. Speaking of medals, uh, this was really, really weird. What happened? Uh, this was on the West Wing. West Wing week. That's uh, President Obama's reality show. The guy there had. You should see his audio unit. It's huge. His unit. It's just a big ass unit. And uh, so this this is two. This happens on the. I think the same day. First, he's at the uh, Vietnam War Memorial. And it's like he's campaigning. Uh, and he's like, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. Thank you. Like, you know, what? Are we, what? <laughs> and, and then it goes straight into his uh, freedom uh, medal ceremony. And one of the recipients uh, was very confusing to me. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. On Tuesday. The president awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom to 13 individuals who are deserving of our nation's highest civilian honor. Okay. Freedom What's medal. wonderful about these events for me is so many of these people are my heroes individually. I remember reading Song of Solomon when I was a kid and not just trying to figure out how to write, but also how to be and how to think. In college, listening to Bob Dylan... My world opening up. Everybody on this state. I mean, how can you, uh, 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 literally in the same week, if not the same day, be there saying, you know, you're all heroes of the Vietnam War, and then give Bob Dylan a medal? Did you listen to the lyrics? The guy was (laughs) Uh, anti-Vietnam. He was anti-Vietnam. Yeah, he was a total anti-war singer, and it probably still is. And I, in fact, he still is. Yeah. But what I got, the thing that I got out of this this medal ceremony is that Bob Dylan and some poet, I believe, got all the attention. But then, if you look at, at the other people that actually got this thing, including Madeline Albright, yeah, the, the shill of all shills, with one of Albright the worst, consultants, she gets a medal for what? For killing people, for consulting on how to kill people. That's what she does. She's, she has a whole consultancy. She she consults with uh, Lucifer. And then Shimon Perez, uh, president of Israel. What is he getting this medal for? This is for Americans, isn't it? It's summer months, John. People, you know, they got nothing to do. It's like, wow, what are we going to do? I know. Let's do some medals. Yeah, it's always cool. And they had a couple po- posthumous medals. The guys are dead, so they gave him a medal. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, William Foge, I guess it's Fogue. 
former director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, who helped lead the the effort to eradicate smallpox. Okay, well, John Doerr, who handled civil rights cases as assistant attorney general in the 60s. What is he getting a medal for? He's just, just doing his job. John Paul Stevens, former Supreme Court justice. What's he getting a medal for? It's just to placate you, I guess. It's like if you get a medal, then you can't be a douchebag anymore. That's why they should be giving us a medal. <laughs> Congre- congressional. We could use a medal. Yeah. We- <laughs> hey, John, why don't we take a little... Uh... And now, back to real news. I have inside news from Hollywood. So I thought I'd share with you. I still what have- I remember the Hollywood whackers theme that we used to have. Well, we haven't had a whack. Mm. So you've been probably reading about this John Travolta stuff. Not really, well, but you, I know about it. Yeah, you know about it. That's what I mean. But I haven't been aggressively reading uh, no, about it. No, of course not. So for those of you who haven't heard this on the actual news stations, uh, there's now three or four different uh, people who have come out and said that jo- men say that John Travolta has uh, sexually assaulted them. And I was speaking to, uh, I have a few Hollywood connections left, spoke with him uh, the other day. And he says, You spoke with John Travolta? No, with my Hollywood connection. Oh, okay. He's a uh, talent manager, and uh, several of his clients are in the Church of Scientology. And you'll recall that I met the former top PR uh, uh, people from uh, the Church of Scientology who are, for all intents and purposes, uh, hiding out in in Austin. And uh, so I said, what is going on? He says, well, <clears throat> it, it's, a, it's well known that John Travolta likes... Uh, dark-skinned men, you know, brown skin. He li- and and uh, I don't think this is a big secret, uh, but it's you know it's it's what it is. And uh, so he's uh, he's celebrating. A Cuban would be ideal. Yeah, Cuban. So when he says uh, Puerto Rican, he goes, says, let's go get a Cuban. He's not talking about a cigar, <laughs> but he does talk. But he's, he does mean smoking. But yeah. So, uh, yeah, or if you just have a really good tan. Either way, it's dark-skinned men that John Travolta likes. And, you know, it's fine, whatever. Whatever he does in his bedroom, his business. Or in his cockpit. <laughs> and uh, But he apparently wants to leave the Church of Scientology. And this, and this is how Hollywood works. And, and what is happening now is they have the goods on him. They have, because, you know, your initiation into Hollywood always happens at some crazy party uh, we have the lesbian order of the Illuminati where, you know, Miley Cyrus and Britney Spears and all these chickies and they all have to do some crazy ass stuff and they take pictures and they record it. And so there's evidence so they can blackmail you and ruin, quote unquote, ruin your career. So he apparently wants to leave the Church of Scientology and they're saying, oh, really, you can't leave. And so this is uh, these are just their opening salvos of the real stuff that they have. And they're doing this to persuade him not to leave. That's the inside track that I have. Oh. Okay. Well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, I, I just thought I'd <clears throat> lay that out on you. It's entertaining. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was outraged, and uh, we have to analyze this. Uh, on Thursday, the New York Times, the paper of record, the Ministry of Truth, uh, told us how the president uh, is deeply involved with the drone program. He's got his baseball cards there. Uh, he's you know selecting who can die, who can't die. He's got his kill list. Now, uh, t- two days later, we find out that he is uh, waging cyber warfare with this program, uh, uniquely called Olympic Games, 
which I'm sure there's a code there. More reason right. not to buy a ticket because, you know, if you want retaliation for the Olympic Games cyber warfare, which was Stuxnet, um, the, the, the New York Times not being refuted. So let's just say it's true. The New York Times is saying that the president continued on a program that was started by George W. Bush and uh, expanded the use of a cyber worm of a virus to uh, wreck the creation of nuclear energy in the country of Iran. And I'm outraged that this act of war is being pro- is being uh, carried out by the chief executive without any executive order, without Cong- uh, its own executive order, but without Congress uh, saying go ahead and wage warfare. And if you look at the NDAA, if someone does that against us, we have now agreed by law that if a country wages cyber war- warfare on us, we can go and kill them and drop bombs and drone them, whatever we feel is necessary. So it's a real act of war. And there's no outrage. <laughs> there's none. But I did figure out why. It's the pretty New- funny to watch this lack of, you know, the, the, he's got he's he's calling the shots on on assassinations. Yeah. Which is ludicrous. If you think about it, what else has he got? There? He's watching basketball. He's definitely watching the NBA finals. And in between, he's going through these cars while watching, you know, somebody dunk the ball. Hey, she's kind of cute. Let's not drone her. And he's saying, you know, yeah, she's a little young. They leave her alone, but we'll keep her in the deck. Mm-hmm. And then he throws a car. <laughs> for a rainy says, day. Let's go after this guy. Yeah, for a rainy day. And he day. pumps his fist in the air because he saw another slam dunk by, you know, somebody. Woot, 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 and woot. Well, so I, I, it's just a weird. Well, image I figured it out. Me. I figured out what they're trying to do. Now I understand. And I heard the two NBC NBC shills. Um, NB Shills, MB, the NB, NB Shills, uh, Chuck Gregory, and uh, the other Chip. Ch- Chip Chip Gregory, and the other Chuck, uh, what's his face from MSNBC, I guess, or C- whatever. And they have a discussion, a minute long discussion, like, oh, of course. And they actually lay it out for me so I understand why this is happening. This is all part of the campaign, and the American human resources are so dumb that we're buying into it. Check it. To create and plant computer bugs into systems running Iran's nuclear facilities, David Gregory is moderator of NBC's Meet the President. David, I want to start with this because in many ways it's a, it's a huge story, and on any other day we'd be talking about this. On any other day we'd be talking about it, but, you know, of course we just kind of slip this in. This the U.S. government essentially acknowledging that it is at war, but in cyberspace with Iran. Well, it's a huge story, and it's a huge issue. You know, there have been warnings about this now for years, about not only our vulnerability to cyber attack as a new front in the war on terror, but also what the United States and its allies have been doing to target Iran's nuclear program, which have less to do with diplomacy and any kind of armed conflict and a lot more to do with what can be done via computer viruses to attack Iran, and apparently successfully over the past several years to at least slow the growth of a program. You know, what's interesting about the program is that it's a, a, one of the two main programs that President Obama is continuing from the Bush administration, uh-huh. very aggressive uh, decision to make on that front along with drones, which made this Mitt Romney comment last night on CBS all the more striking when he was asked to grade the president's foreign policy record. Here's what he said. What grade would you give President Obama? Oh, an F. No so that's what that's why they're doing it. Oh, how nice. How how cute. Oh, I see what they're saying. I get what they're after. They're they're through proxy they're giving George Bush an F. 
Yeah, and 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 which so, like so what? Yeah, Bush well, is, hasn't been around forever. Well, basically, so Romney, you're an idiot because you're giving Bush an F because it was Bush's program. Yeah, but in the meantime, nice this, try. In the meantime, this is a complete and utter outrage. And if you accept, because you know the president, and and by the Richard Stallman of all people, Richard Stallman, the guy for open networks and for you know for uh, free, free software. He's saying, oh, this is probably a good idea the president's doing that. Richard Stallman, I condemn you. I, huh. I, you are bane. You are shunned from my world now. I had respect for you. you this is cyber warfare. You can't, you, there's no way. War is war, yes. There's no now, way you can, you can condone that. Well, the, the other thing is I find, and to, and to encourage it, I think this, I, there's a couple of things here that have to be paid. Some attention has to be paid to the following. Uh, the Russians have already, the Kaspersky guys have already grabbed this thing and they've deconstructed it and they know how it works and they've got the whole thing down. You can't really, this is not like a, I mean, I think it's an interesting idea that you could, if you were actually had a war and you declared it and you started using these things to, to uh, no, attack that, the that, enemy. That is different if you declare the war. I yeah. agree. But even if you did it then, these are not bombs that when you throw a bomb and it blows up, the bomb is, you know, nobody's going to de. these things can be grabbed and then turned around and, and sent the I, other way. Yes, exactly. And now in the, the same- Iranians, the Iranians are not idiots and they have plenty of people that can code like any place else. Yeah. And they could grab this code and just send it right back into our infrastructure. Which is now starts to explain why everyone on the Hill is freaking out about cyber warfare is because, oh, crap, our president, like, unleashed this. Bu- and there's another one, Flame, which if you read the well, New York. Flame is the one I'm talking about. Oh, OK. Well, uh, it doesn't matter because that is also, according to the New York Times article, is also an initiative by the Obama administration. No, that's the one I think that triggered the whole thing. Flame is no, the one no, that no, no, we were no. talking Stuxnet, about. The, the New York Times article Stuxnet is the old. Yeah, that's, yeah but, that thing's not a play. But Obama I mean, propagated the, is the one that the Russians grabbed. And that's the one that we talked about in the last yes, show. Yes. I had the quote that said, well, it's it's a, it's everything you'd ever want. It's a 20 megabyte file that's got everything. And it turns on the microphones. It does yeah. all these things. Well, you just gave them the, the an, you're just like giving somebody the plans to how to make an H bomb. But even better, if you think your president won't use, I mean, look at the drone program. We now have drones coming over our own skies in the U.S., so they're going to turn flame against the United, the people of the United States as well. It's going to be, it's going to be everywhere. It, it, the out, the lack of outrage is what's just astounding to me. Astounding. Although there is some blowback from uh, from the left, I would say. Um, it's really pathetic when the left has to do this dirty work. Yeah, let me see. Uh, there was a pretty good article. Forbes actually had a good rundown. And uh, some of the leftist uh, publications are calling him a psychopathic megalomaniac. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm down with that. That's, that's kind of what I call him. He is a psychopath. And he's worse than George Bush was a psychopath. They're all psychopaths. Here we go. Uh, what was this? Um, uh, I'm sorry, I can't find it that quickly. But you know, lots of left wing publications are now saying, "Hey, hold on a second, this is out of control." But the American public, and you know, when I hear when someone like Stallman, that 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 surprised me. That surprises me. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, cyber warfare. This is not how you play. This is not the game. And if in in our own laws, in the National Defense Authorization Act, if you know, and and the Cybersecurity Act, everything that's being passed now says if someone is going to wage cyber warfare on us, we'll we'll hit them back with bombs. Well, you know, people in glass houses, dude, don't do this. This is not not good. And by the way. They were enriching uranium, they say, for, um, you know, this goes way back, they say, for for nuclear power. So you're denying someone of their right to create nuclear power? The whole thing is effed. It's not good, and it's not healthy, and it's going to just backfire because, again, I think it's an an impeachable offense. It's a blueprint of all kinds of trouble. But I think it's an impeachable offense for him to do this. It's it's really. You don't think it's an impeachable offense for him to drone an American without due process? Of course, but this is now we're talking our world. Now we're talking the interwebs. The the people who are smart are supposed to be saying this is not okay. But the people who are smart are saying, oh, it's, I tweeted this out. I said I do not approve of my president waging cyber warfare. The tweets I got back is like. Oh, man, would you rather have Iran with nukes? <sighs> yeah, that's what you're going to have. That w- would be what I'd expect you to get back. I know, and, and I, but I'm just so disappointed. It's pretty pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pathetic. It's pretty pathetic. You wait, this flame thing will, will, will turn on you. Oh, yeah, no, flame's going to be bad. I'm going to have to talk to my friends up in uh, Nova Scotia who, who deal with anti-spyware uh, um, specifically. Mm-hmm. Sp- specifically uh, stuff that you can install on a machine and it's almost impossible for a virus or antivirus software to find it, you know, key loggers, and, which is this oh, flame has got a key but logger. But not for a second do I not believe that uh, McAfee and all these other uh, companies are... And this might actually explain the story that we didn't talk about. The founder of McAfee, you know, he's like a there was like crazy story that he's he's hiding out. He's running a meth lab. <laughs> Ten to one, the guy has the goods that McAfee is actually helping install this crap on computers worldwide, and they need to get rid of him and certainly discredit him before he comes out and says, "Hey, you know, th- that company that I started that everyone thinks is uh, protecting you and protecting corporate America." Well, actually, they're helping the government put crap on the computers to spy. Yeah. On May 2nd, 2012, which is recent, McAfee's property in Orange Walk Town, Belize, where he had to move, Mm -hmm. was raided by Gang Suppression Unit. The Gang Suppression Unit, a GSU press release, stated that he was arrested for unlicensed drug manufacturing and possession of an unlicensed weapon. McAfee was allegedly in the presence of a 17-year-old Belizean girlfriend. All charges were dropped, and Mr. McAfee is suing the Belizean government for false arrest. Right. Yeah, this doesn't sound like it's going in the right direction for this guy. No, so it sounds like a discrediting move, if anything. So, eh, more reason to load one distro of Linux and lock it down. Lock it down, ladies and gentlemen. That's somebody in the chat room said. No, that's me. That is, no, that's that is me. It isn't a bad idea. Lock it down. But anyway, I have to say the good news is, and I have a clip of this. Uh, luckily, our president is very um, uh, fluent in technology. 
Now, you think that he's only a constitutional uh, law scholar and professor, but he actually knows he knows his stuff when it comes to technology. And I, I, I was quite, and, you know, as, as much as I hate this, the droning and the cyber warfare, I'm happy to know that he, he knows his technology. Let's get that done right now. That means they're going to be, you know, if you got three thousand dollars a year extra, that helps you pay down your credit cards. That helps you go out and, and, and buy some things that your family needs, which is good for business. Maybe somebody will be replacing uh, some thingamajig for their for their uh, furnace. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> the thingamajig. The <laughs> thingamajig. An underused That's about term. As far as it gets. <laughs> thingamajig. I don't even know if he uses a computer. I mean, he, his whole life was spent on a BlackBerry. He's got a thing, he, thingamajig. He doesn't need a... I got a BlackBerry. I don't need one of those thingamajigs. And the fact that he would have this Vivek Kundra character <laughs> as his CTO or CFO, whatever the heck he was, it was ridiculous to me. It's like, did you even talk to this guy? guy? So anyway, I have a, a little lighter clip. Why? You didn't like my thingamajig? <laughs> Come it was on. okay. Oh, that was pretty light. I'll save this one. Save the light. Save the light, I tell you. Put a thingamajig. So play the global war on terrorism metal clip. And I want, I want to play this because I noticed this at the event where all these guys were, you know, all these Iraq veterans against the war. The Iraq veterans against the war had um, all been using the same meme, which is now becoming an interesting one because I didn't think it was going to actually get out there which is it's a global war on an adjective. On a weekly basis, and we were seeing other units do the same. Uh, we could also see that when we entered a home, uh, even if there wasn't a terrorist there before, there was when we left. And we were radicalizing the entire population just by our presence. You're wearing a medal. What is the medal for? This is the global war on terrorism medal. Anybody who serves uh, post-9-11 in the United States military serves in the global war on an adjective. What are you doing with it today? I'm going to be turning it back into the generals at NATO to demonstrate that I reject the medal, I reject what it means, and I reject uh, any affiliation with this war. That's a very good one. I like that. Global war and an adjective. Which is what... What it, it, what what it, it is. is. That's what it is. It's what it is. It doesn't... There's no enemy. It's just an adjective. And... Uh, I'm, so ha- a, I'm so happy. This it's does, also a noun, but anyway. This, uh, this enlightens me. I, it makes me happy to hear that people are out there say, calling bullcrap. Unfortunately, the news diet you're receiving is not, uh, you know, you got uh, full, uh, what is it called? It, full on sugar. <laughs> f- full uh, uh, I forgot. Full I, sugar drink. Full sugar drink, yeah. So uh, they, uh, this was a pretty big gathering in Chicago with these veterans throwing their their um, war on terrorism badge away. War on adjective. And, uh, whatever else they had. Yeah. And it was not covered in the least. And I thought it would, it would it, if I was doing the news, I mean, this was, it was actually kind of interesting that this was going on, but they didn't, there was zero coverage of this. No. Zero. No. No. And it's like the riots that are going on in Spain. They showed some good stuff. Spain's got a bunch of cops beating the crap out of people and Greece has got daily riots. None of this. We don't get any of it. Everybody's just left in the dark. And then we're going to all be the public, not the listeners to our show, obviously. We know what's going on. But the public at large, which is the problem, they're going to be like stunned and dismayed. How, how, how did this happen? Without us knowing. Yeah. Well, so uh, I read an interesting article, a uh, blog post the other day, 
that said, you know, the news diet, that's why I'm using it, the news diet that we get from television news and from, eh, from anything, really, eh, mainstream news, is like junk news. And it'll it'll make you fat and bloated and immobile, just like junk food. And I think there's something really to it. And if anything, that is what we do here is we provide you with a healthy, balanced diet. You know, and are we are we really vegetables? No. Sometimes we you know we're hard to swallow. But it's important. It's important that you get this, and that's why you're probably feeling good, even though you're on the surface you're bummed out when you hear all this stuff. But somewhere deep down under, you're actually kind of okay. Shadow Puppet Theater. This was a good one. You know WebMD. Oh yeah, that's uh, that was done by the uh, Netscape guy. Yeah, Jim. Jim, 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 Slim Jim. So WebMD is, uh, I would say, is it's kind of the go-to company for a lot of people, go-to website if they want to look up, you know, what they think they have or what they've been diagnosed with. In fact, I was watching that movie with uh, Seth, uh, what's the guy, the funny guy, Seth. Seth MacFarlane? Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Fifty. Where are these, by the way? There's Seth Meyers, Seth Rogen, Seth McFarland. There's a whole bunch more. I can name about ten of them. What is the name Seth? They're all the same age. It's kind of a wimpy name, Seth. And it's a wimpy name, but it's all. They're all the same age. They're all in the same group. There's about six or seven, all in Hollywood, all famous. Where does this name? And this doesn't exist after or before. Seth. Where did it come from? I don't know. Well, we should look that up. So the Seth Rogen movie, Fifty Fifty, where his buddy gets cancer, and and you see him looking up this horrible disease that he has on WebMD. So nice little uh, product placement there. <clears throat> so it's not doing too well. But of course, uh, if you look at WebMD, if you dig under the covers, you'll see that the people who are funding the company is Big Pharma, <clears throat> and uh, under pressure from the shareholders to bolster its share price, they have now named. Haven M. Redmond as its CEO, and he, of course, is a senior executive at Pfizer. Yeah, there's no conflict of interest there. Wow. Yeah, blatant, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, yeah just uh, put, the, put the shill in charge of everything because the, the other guy's doing no good. You got a, you got a, you got a stock report on uh, Pfizer? Oh, no, fine. it can't be doing very well at the moment. Let me take a look. I'm not Pfizer. I'm sorry. Uh, WebMD. WebMD. Well, let's yeah. take a look. WebMD. Uh, it, is a, it is public, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. WebMD Health Corp. WBMD. 2282 down a little bit. Let's see what it looks like long term. It was as high as 50. Yeah. It's down. It's bouncing around a $23 level, and it's just staying. It's dead money. Yeah. Dead money. Looks dead money to me. Yep, dead money. It took a plunge around January, first part of January. It was floating around just under 40, and then it just took a big knife under a large volume. It just fell well, yeah, like that, a rock. That, that's when they put him in, I'm sure. <clears throat> no, this would be January uh, 15th. He, um. The chairman of WebMD says he has a successful track record in identifying and leveraging new revenue opportunities, driving efficiency, establishing sustainable growth platforms. You know, that's what my career is built on. Sustainable growth platforms. Yeah, whatever. The, yeah. Yeah. We got to, producer Vicky sent me a new possible script uh, on the HPV scam, which, by the way, Miss Mickey was at a doctor. <clears throat> um. And she was talking about this, 
And the doctor said, you know, the whole thing is such a scam. This strain, the so-called strains that HPV fights against, don't even exist in the United States, which I have not been able to verify, but I thought, well, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Now, was this a real doctor or was this your, your no, voodoo this, doctor? No, this was not the voodoo doc. No, this no. was a real doctor. So here, my son's doctor, this is uh, producer Vicky, uh, told my 18-year-old son he needed to get the HPV vaccine because, quote, the girls are getting it and the guys need to step up and do their part. <laughs> this doctor is very reputable, but I'm kicking myself for him getting the series of three shots. He got the shots before we realized there could be health problems. Just an FYI. We live in Maine. Uh, please keep the rest of my uh, information confidential. It's ridiculous. How about that? The girls are getting it, so the guys need to step up. Do your part, slave. Take this expensive shot. I've heard around the office at least two women who got who the are, shot. They were, I don't know. I didn't bother following up because I didn't think much about it, but they'd come back for after being tested for oh. cancer. Uh-huh. And then I didn't think much about it. I didn't think it was probably part of the same scam. But now that I think about it, I'm going to ask each one of them what the outcome was. And I bet you they took this stupid shot and dropped 400 bucks on it. Well, no, you know the script by now. It's like, yeah, with the script, do the biopsy. Yeah. You, you go in, they test you for uh, HPV. They give you a, a test from a machine that doesn't work and gives a lot of false positives. Uh-huh. You get a false positive, so they do, do a, a biopsy. biopy. Yeah, you, which has got to be you, painful and, and dangerous. You freak out for a week because you're, you, you could be precancerous. You'll come back clean, but the, just to make sure, they give you a shot. Bend over. It's a great. It's a it's great a, scam. It's a great scam. Yeah. Well, how and of about, course, we got a we got a nice letter from one of our listeners moaning about the fact that we're anti-vaccine, no. anti-vaccination when this is not true. And he said, you know, just it was just like this horrible note that we we get these people that you have it. Will I come don't, to I don't, the show. They'll the listen note. to one show. They don't really get into what we're trying to do, and they don't like us. Probably is one reason. I mean, just, we're not necessarily two likable guys. No, no, <laughs> at least not to everybody. <laughs> Hold on a second. John C. Dvorak states the over obvious. <laughs> we're not likable guys. We're not te- typically no. likable guys. No. And so, if you're not look, looking for something, you know, CNN ish. Uh, from this show, which we're not going to ever deliver. Uh, you could get, you listen to a couple of things, you get, yeah, yeah, you're full of crap. Yeah, and, and you're anti-vaxxers. I mean, I got a nasty note about you and your voodoo doctor. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Crazy. I'm nuts. <laughs> well, well, the, but uh, we're not arguing that you're nuts. <laughs> that's, that's what they don't get. No. The, a new study, new research by physicians at the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey that's the UMDNNJ for you. The Robert Wood Johnson Medical School has now come out surprisingly, John, surprisingly. Individuals with schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder have a greater severity of nicotine dependence and therefore require a more potent treatment plan than the general population when it comes to Shantix usage. It is considered safe and effective treatment for helping people with schizophrenia to quit smoking. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> people who aren't schizophrenic go nuts on this drug. And now they're saying you just need to up the dosage. That's okay, because <laughs> you're schizophrenic. So don't worry. 
You'll stop smoking. I mean, you might go around killing your neighbor's goat in your underwear, but you'll stop smoking. This is the pharmaceutical industrial complex. I should say pharmaceutical educational industrial complex, which is just out of control. That they get paid for this research to say, oh, it's safe. You know, we know people are wigging out. And how many, how many people have we had email into the show say, oh, man, I'm so glad you guys told me to get off that stuff because I was freaking out. Yeah, we're not giving medical advice, by the way. We're no, just no, no, no. Relating no. anecdotes. That's exactly right. And speaking of anecdotes, Fareed Zakaria, global, uh. global shill of the New World Order, uh, hangs out with President Obama all the time, you know, drinking some root beer. He did the commencement speech at Harvard. Uh, I guess he's a Harvard. They really sunk to the bottom. What did they bring that clown in there for? Well, he actually was quite entertaining. He was clowny. He was pretty funny. He had a couple of good zingers, good lines. He didn't get to wear a crazy cape, though. I thought that was kind of lame. If you're going to do a commencement... He didn't want to wear the cape. He could have worn the cape. You can wear the cape. I don't think think they gave him a cape. He didn't wear it? Well, he was in a suit. He wasn't wearing the cape. What an idiot. I know. I think, you know, if you're going to do a commencement speech, at least get the cape with the big shoulders and the, like the International Criminal Court kind of white thingy. And that's cool. You know, big ringlets. No, no cape. But luckily, luckily, Fareed Zakaria can tell us that science has saved the world. We forget our successes. In 2009, the H1N1 virus broke out in Mexico. Now, if you look back at the trajectory of these kinds of viruses, it's quite conceivable that this one would have spread like the Asian flu of 1957 or 1968, which cost four million lives. But this time, the Mexican health authorities identified the problem early, shared the information with the World Health Organization, learned best practices, tracked down where the outbreak took place, quarantined people, vaccinated others. The country went on a full-scale alert. In a very Catholic country, it was not allowed to go to church for three Sundays. Perhaps more importantly, you couldn't go to a soccer game for three weeks. But the result was that the virus was contained to the point where three months later, people asked, what was the fuss? The science is in! What was the fuss? That's right. Science saved us, Fareed. Wow. Amazing. Just make it up as you go along. Yeah. And all of us, you know, millions He's of people. He's not using scientific method to give us this thesis. That's for sure. He's just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> millions of people could have died. Millions, million millions, millions, I tell you. But thank you so much. It's like saved jobs, you know, <laughs> saved or created. Saved or created. I'm glad they dropped that. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Millions could have died. In the morning. All right, we do have a few people to thank for uh, helping us on show 414. Uh, Linda Nguyen, 16962. Interesting number. 16962. Why? I don't know. Hola, John and Adam. Uh, keep up the great investigative work and analysis. Can you play my new favorite clip, Reverend Manning's Whoop Obama's Behind? The original or remix. Thanks. P.S. Could you make sure the donation on the April 5th one goes towards my husband, Fernando Gilfranco knighthood. I want to mention to people who are developing knighthoods for one person or another, you do the accounting. 
and you send it to us, and then we uh, check to make sure the numbers are correct. But you don't, we don't pre-move money, right? We just, 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 you just do it. It's yeah, not we, that we don't a have a staff here. We don't have the staff. We don't also have the – it's just too complicated. It's easier for you to do it because you're the one that's donating, and we appreciate you doing that. Yeah. And, uh, well, do I have to, I have to play the, the thing Oh, yes. Here? I'm sorry. Since it's a, a slow day, we might as well play the remix. Now, get out there and whoop Obama's behind the- Never gets old. No, it's a winner. Chris Potter from Almira, Ontario, came with $100 in the morning, gentlemen. He needs a little karma jingle. He'd appreciate it. You've got karma. Sir James Briscoe in Bayshore, New York, uh, 7328, comes in and says, Hey, fellas, as a no agenda night, I have to donate. Yeah. Please give some karma to Samita. The love of my life. I've recently come into some good fortune with work, and I've just gotten a nice short gig to make even more money for my not-for-profit idea that'll actually help people rather than steal. However, at the moment, I don't deserve any luck or anything, so give it to her. Oh, that's very kind. Well, of course we'd love to give her some karma. And thank you. You've got karma. Thank you for sharing your good fortune with us. We appreciate that. And uh, even though we didn't have a very uh, good turnout today, we did have uh, the continuation of the 6969 meme from Salt River Studio in Plantation, Florida. It's a, this is the Jamaican in Austin. Yeah, this used to be the Jamaican in New York. And I got to meet this guy. He's in Austin now. He's a Jamaican. I know. I, today, I know. So he, is he on the list for birthdays? Um, hold on. Let me double check that. Uh, Probably not. No, no, no. Put him on. Put the Jamaican in Austin birthday. It's his birthday today, so I'd like a war on chicken huntsman karma. All right. <laughs> the war on chicken. And if it wasn't for karma. If it, Easy, don't step on the karma. If it wasn't for the Jamaican in Austin, the 6969 would have been dead. Would be over, because we don't have another one. Well, it, Royce, and when it breaks, by the way, when the chain is broken, we're no longer accepting 6969 donations. We're yeah. just, just going to call it 70. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, we'll throw in the extra penny. It's a little more than a penny, but yeah, we'll call <laughs> It's just a penny. Where's the penny? Where's the, the penny? And we're, there it is. a penny. Royce Kokami in Aia, Hawaii, uh, 6464 in the morning. Both of you good fellas. It's Royce, a.k.a. the Clean Freak. I wanted to give my donation of 6464, a little nod to Mega64, video production company focusing on the video game industry in which they create video game skits, advertisements, and most recently they've worked with Konami to produce a video for their latest project, Metal Gear Rising. Revengeance. Revengeance. Revengeance, really? This video is featured in the Konami's E3 pre-show to visit their website, mega64.com. Okay, enough plugs for them. I always, always wanted to give them a little plug, plus a karma shot to Mega64 crew and all the internet soldiers. You've got karma. Cool, thank you. Mega64. Good luck with that. Yeah, and my... Revengeance. Hey, hey, you can always hire me for the voiceover. Revengeance. It's good. 
Revengeance. Eduardo Sanchez in Hartford, Connecticut, fifty-five, fifty-five. Here's a donation to cover the months missed when PayPal canceled my ah, monthly donation. Hate that. Please remind all of the producers to check their PayPal accounts once a month to verify credit cards have not expired. I also reinstated and raised my monthly donation to twelve twelve. Cool, thank Keep you. Keep up the great work, Eduardo Sanchez, former submarine nuclear power plant operator, current electric grid operator in Hartford. I just want to mention uh, briefly Atomic Rod. I misstated on the previous show that uh, he had been in a nuclear sub for 33 years. And he says, it's very important to me, he says, you know, that you get my resume right. And so it's just a correction. Um, He was in service for 33 years. He spent six, I think five years uh, actually submerged. But he... (laughs) And I don't know if it was concurrent, but he spent five years submerged. So a correction made. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a long time in a sub to be 33 years. <laughs> yeah. Sir Matt Nicole in Brooklyn, New York, fifth, double nickels on the dime. Night, Matt Nicole, congratulating Pete and Annie Rial's new slave, Jack, who was born on Tuesday, May 29th. Can I get a newborn shut up slave karma for Jack and one hot MILF shout out for Annie? Uh, wait a minute. The newborn. Oh, what was that called again? Hold on a second. Oh man, that was a good. Uh, uh, the the kid. Is that what the, is that what they want? Yeah. What are you doing? Are you, are you ordering stocks and bonds? Yeah, buying and selling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can. Chicago, Chicago. They're buying in New York. Selling. <laughs> I'm trying to find uh, someone hot enough the kid, the little kid. I, well, I have though. That's one. But didn't you want the the other one, the the kid saying "shut up, slave"? Or am I am I misunderstanding? Shut up, slave. I oh, just newborn know. shut up, slave karma. Okay. Oh well. Um, oh well, whatever. Yeah. Well, whatever. Check, try this. That's one hot milk, baby. <laughs> You've got karma. Also, I've purchased JackReal.com. The first son's firstborn son's name, a domain name, forwarding to noagendashow.com. That's Jack Real R I E H L. I think this is a good initiative. Have all your yeah. kids' uh, names forward to us. All yeah. your kid belong to us. Uh, Greg Wilcox, Gregory Wilcox in Phoenix, Arizona, fifty oh seven, and uh, no comment that I can see. Michael Kearns, Sir Michael Kearns in Kansas City, Mo. Uh, 50, it's okay to ship the ring whenever you get around to it. Here's another 50. should cover shipping and handling. John, do you grind your own meat for burgers? If so, do you have a favorite blend? <laughs> Why, that's a great question. Uh, I have a grinder, but I generally don't grind my own meat for burgers. So I don't have a favorite blend. I'm not quite sure. I mean, if I, sometimes if I make a mix, I, I like to have about you know 30% veal. Have you ever done buffalo burgers? Oh, yeah. I love buffalo burgers. They're quite good. Yeah. You got to charcoal them, though. It's got to be on the real grill to give the extra flavor. Christopher Grimm in Sayreville, New Jersey, $50. By the way, I just bought a uh, half a steer. Yeah? Yeah. Great. It's a nice process. And I want to remind people, I'm going to do a, in a future show, we're going to talk about this in more details, because everybody should be doing this. It's, it's discouraged by the government. The FDA and everybody else don't want you buying your own steer and having it butchered the way, exact way you want it butchered. It's processing. We call that processing. Ad. Processing. It's called processing. Yeah. 
cut and wrap. Yeah. But you have to talk, you talk to the butcher and then they, you know, they tell you what, what you tell them what you want, you want a bunch of, bunch of French cuts or you want a bunch of steaks, you want a bunch of roasts, whatever. You get what you want and it's like a couple dollars a pound and uh, it's just a way to go. And it's, and it's better meat because you get, you can keep track of the animal. You can make sure it's only grass fed or whatever. And it's just, but they just discourage that the people do the big Cargill and these big companies do everything they can to keep uh, the public from yeah. buying this. Way. I talked to my, uh, my meat guy at the, at the market here in Austin yesterday. And he says, oh, I got, I got a new one uh, at the processing says, so you'll have your tenderloin next week. Cause I ordered the tenderloin, a couple other cuts. And so it's essentially, he's kind of like the middle guy, but it's still a lot cheaper. I get a whole tenderloin for 28 bucks, John, a whole tenderloin. The ones that go for 70 bucks at Costco, which has good prices. Yeah. 28 bucks. Yeah. And, and I said, hey, did the did, uh, did the animal have a name? I'm always interested in that. He says, yeah, big boy. But I, I'll call them all big boy when they're big. When they're big, <laughs> they're big boy. When when you when the, when the, when the animal hears me calling him big boy, he knows it's over. <laughs> God. <laughs> Christopher Grimm in Sarahville, New Jersey. Back to him. Fifty dollars uh, in the morning. John and Adam wish I could donate more, but this donation is equal to a day's worth of work. With all the BS removed. Well, but thank you. What What do I expect for being a recent college grad? I'd like to request a karma shot for finishing school with a BA in theater. And for an audition I have tomorrow for the national tour of hair. Oh. If I book it, free tickets for you guys. Hey. I'd also like to request a douchebag call out to the president of Keene University. Douchebag. That's Dawood Farahi, <laughs> who got the job by lying on his resume about his education. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get another Douche one. Bag. Douche bag. And here's your karma, man. I hope you get that gig in hair. You've got karma. That's a good musical. Yeah, it actually is a good It's a little dated, but it's, it's still entertaining. Yeah, it's very entertaining. Uh, Andrew Haverson in Gravenhurst, Ontario, $50. Sir Greg Brunsell in Kenosha, Wisconsin, $50. And Black Knight, Robin Darden in Hoboken, New Jersey, $50. And we want to thank them and everybody else who came in with lesser amounts uh, for all the... Uh, uh, for the help for this show, and I think we have another note. Yeah, here. I got it here. This is from um, Ivan, who's been donating forty-two dollars consistently. Of course, a very magical number. The universe can be explained with that number. Thank you for all the hard work. Please accept my apology for having been a douchebag since the beginning. Uh, please take a moment to look at FullertonsFuture.org and give a douchebag call out to the. FPD for hiring and protecting bad cops that are now on trial for the murder of Kelly Thomas and many other horrific offenses. Douchebag. I have not looked into that one. The Fullerton Police Department. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it was uh, a nice town one, we, we at got, one time. That's the problem. You get a bunch of bad cops in a town and they can wreck it. It happens. It happens. That's it. So uh, definitely light. Um, you know, I guess we're going to. This is why John loves We're it. We're going to be complaining a lot. Yeah, this is why John loves that Miss Mickey and I are going to go out on the road uh, because that keeps everyone's attention uh, and uh, and keeps up. Yeah, attention is really what it is because people start to wane a little bit in these uh, in these summer months. And which brings me to the fact that we still do not have a trailer that uh, the truck can pull, and we desperately need one. Uh, renting one is uh, an expensive proposition. So, uh, and it's, you know, we're talking six weeks now. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Six weeks will be, you're getting married and then we come back and we want to leave right after that. And we want to go up the Rockies, up to Montana, you know, uh, maybe we'll uh, hit Canada. Uh, and 
come back down again. So uh, they let for, you back in for the yeah. For, that'll be for the Hot Pockets 2009 tour, and for the 2010 tour, of course, we'll do the entire West Coast, which we have not done yet. We'll go all the way up, uh, also hitting Canada. But we we need a trailer, and there's two ways to do it. You know, you can uh, you really if we really step up the donations, we can rent one. Rent is about a hundred bucks a day. Uh, for the size that we can pull, which I think 25 feet is about the max, particularly in the Rockies. Um, 100 bucks a day is not cheap, particularly if you're, we're talking three weeks here. Um, and in addition to that, of course, there's gas and, uh, and hopefully no repairs. I hope the truck will make it. Um, and, uh, of course, we'll be doing our shows from the road. So please... Please, please, please consider if you have uh, a truck in Texas, pretty much anywhere in Texas, I'll go and pick it up. Uh, Austin would be great. Austin, Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, uh, be happy to go pick it up. Uh, if not, then uh, then we need to step up donations. Something's got to happen. Um, and uh, I know that there are producers who want to see us. So you can email everything to Mickey at Curry.com, M-I-C-K-Y at Curry.com. Because uh, we'd love to do this, and we'd love to see y'all, see y'all out there on the road. And uh, we're going to have to do it, because that's a... You learn this in radio from a very, you know, early in any radio career, that the only way to keep your audience tuned in during the summer months is to do uh, appearances. Appearances, summer jams, whatever it is. You've got to go to the people. So we're doing it. I think we're one of the few podcasts that actually do this. I've never heard of anybody else doing it. I hear a lot of people talking up a big storm, saying they're going to do it, but actually doing it is a, a different story. Um, so you know where to help us out, and uh, if, we, if we could just even it out a little bit, we have great you know Thursdays, really terrible Sundays. Maybe you just want us to do the Thursday show. I, mean, I don't know. We could we could do a longer Thursday show, uh, but that of course is up to you. Uh, and I'm uh, we haven't quite hit the doldrums of February yet when uh, things got really bad, but we're getting closer. So please uh, consider us consider donating. It's value for value. Uh, don't buy that second drink in New York. Don't buy that. That you know now that you're constra- constrained. Yeah, and you've already seen Avengers, so you don't need to just go to any, to any movies. Yeah. Um, and like the, we had a couple of really creative people that have done some interesting things with their. Uh, you know, come up with ways to do the donations. You know, they left their girlfriend. Yeah. Send us the money from a date. Yeah. 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 It's a win. It's a win. Yeah, it's money you're going to spend anyway. doesn't like the show. I mean, yeah. you know. You, <laughs> That's a double win. It's a win-win. Losing her anyway. <laughs> All right. Let me program your brain for a moment. Dvorak.org slash N-A. It's Young Cole Japain uh, congratulates his newborn daughter Elisa, who apparently can pee now that he got drunk, uh, keeping up the tradition there and get Monation Deutschland. Sir Matt and Nicole, happy birthday to Pete and Annie's uh, son, newborn son Jack, uh, Jack Real. And of course, we uh, celebrate the birthday of the Jamaican in Austin, and we say happy birthday on behalf of all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. It's your birthday, yeah. And of course, no knighthoods today. Uh, that was not, with with that level, is not to be expected. There you go. Can't help it. Can't help it. We have a really short on uh, 12, 12, 12 nights. So probably all, so a few will come in at the end, but yeah. it would be nice if somebody came in a little sooner. 
Looking at Drone Nation, a couple of uh, reports going on, just stuff that you don't hear. Uh, another drone crashed. In uh, this was in Afghanistan, but of course the uh, that was controlled from Langley, the Joint Base Langley. <clears throat> the uh, it had a loss of engine coolant, and I would like to remind people that when these things start flying over the United States and there's a loss of engine coolant, you know that could basically be bad if you're underneath this drone, and if now uh, engine coolant. You know, doesn't necessarily mean you have to crash. Uh, if you're manning the aircraft, you can probably find a place to land, and uh, and I, I think most uh, airmen would at least choose a rough landing over killing people down below. And these drones, I think what's happening, no offense to the drone operators, but it's just not the same thing. You know, you're sitting there at your joystick like, oh, I'm losing control. Oh, well, Whatever. But if it's your own ass on the line, you might actually try and get this thing down. A loss of engine coolant. So the engines basically quit. It didn't explode. You know, It didn't lose contact with the ground, yet it crashed. And the Canadian Air Force has, uh, under some form of uh, Freedom of Information Act request, has uh, released some of their data. Uh, they've already had 40... Let me see. What's the exact number? Is it 42 or 47? crashes 10 most recently where these things do crash yeah as of june 10th 2011 most accidents involved engine failure engine failure is what as a pilot you train for you train for it in helicopters you train for it having so many crashes this is ridiculous are these engines junk what kind of money do we spend on these things that they're the engines are crapping out left and right yeah uh, that I can't answer. But I do know that engine failure does not have to lead to a, a crash. And, and I mean, I'm, I, I have no evidence of what happened. There's no reports I can read about the cr- so-called crashes. So I don't know if it, uh, you know, if it was a, if on, on landing it flipped over or whatever. But it seems like these things are just coming down and crashing. And like, boom, oh, well, okay. I think that these pilots, these uh, these operators... Maybe just giving up on it. And yeah, maybe it's not so bad if it's in the desert over Kandahar, which there's some people down below there too as well. But I'm, uh, I think we need to be very, very uh, careful about what we allow in our skies. Just saying, that, you know, there's, there's less than 500,000 licensed pilots in the United States. Sounds about right. Yeah, but with the number dwindling? Well, it's dwindling because it's just as like getting your own steer. It's discouraged by the government. General yeah. aviation is be- being discouraged by the government. This has been going on for years. You know this. Yeah. No, of course I know it. They even want to implement a $100 per flight uh, fee for the next-gen system, which will put a lot of pilots out of business. And you can't go flying your aircraft. You've got to pay 100 bucks for each time you take off just to pay for the the privilege of using the next gen system, which is you know supposed to be a public good. I did like the petition on the White House, though. Did you see this petition? I don't know which one is it. It's the "Do Not Kill" list. 
<laughs> yeah, you can. You should. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. Four one four dot show notes dot com. You can put your name. Yeah, on the probably do just not. as effective as the do not call list. <laughs> yeah. I got two calls. I got a call a, little, a few minutes ago. Yeah, I'm on the do not call list, and I still get calls. And now there's an article in the in the uh, New York Times about this, saying it doesn't work. Everybody's bitching and moaning. I'm on the do not call list, but they call anyway. <laughs> Nobody does anything about it, so the do not kill list will be exactly the same. It's cute, though, on the White House. Like, it's very funny. Please, President Obama, do not put me on your kill list. I'm a good guy. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, he probably doesn't get it. So the zombie meme continues to propagate, and, and now it's becoming very, very obvious. Uh, Aaron Burnett, uh, man, it's such a shame. You know, she's so cute. Uh, and she's on the, of course, she's a Council of Foreign Relations shill. And now, you know, she keeps doing this. It, she's now she's overacting in her lead up to the story. So I'm not going to play the story, obviously. She comes out of a little crosstalk with Anderson Pooper. And uh, just listen to how she's overacting. We're learning more tonight about the man who was killed by Florida police as he was chewing off another man's face. Rudy Eugene's mother and girlfriend now speaking out about an incident so gruesome uh, that, that, you know, as we've been telling you, it, it, the, the pictures are disturbing. It was, it was awful. There were people who apparently were even biking by and saw this absolutely horrific scene. So we have seen zero pictures, by the way. I, have you seen the guys with, with his face chewed off? Have you seen this guy eating his flesh? No, you haven't seen any of that. Uh, there was one picture of the naked guy leaning over somebody. Yeah, but everything's uh, blurred out. Yeah. Yeah, so we apparently we, like my no agenda uh, T-shirt hoodie's going to be. We ha- no, so we have not seen this. She keeps saying horrific. It's horrible. Yeah, you know, like this is the worst thing you could ever imagine. Zombies. Thirty-one-year-old Eugene was described to be in a zombie-like state oh. when he was caught by police in Miami on Saturday. No one described him as in a zombie-like state. That's Didn't a, you run this clip last week? This, no, this, she keeps doing this. Is every every single show she does a zombie segment. Every single show, and this is in relation to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. Hello. We know the guys there are listening. We know they listen. We've, <laughs> one of them is a knight who work at the CDC. <laughs> it's true. The CDC and comes out and says, uh, there's absolutely no proof that zombies exist. Oh, thanks, CDC. Here's a report from New York 1010 Winds. I love how this is propagating. Javon Kendrick just doesn't get it. He can't imagine what could possess the CDC, a federal agency, to come out and declare there are no zombies. Who will believe that there's zombies? I don't know. I don't think the feds will have to tell you for you to believe that there's zombies. uh, You know, that's common sense. Javon, meet Michelle. I feel like the CDC, they know something is going on, so they're trying to cover it up so no one won't panic. Michelle also believes in vampires. It's just one big conspiracy. You know how they got movies like that with the government? They make potions and stuff, anecdotes. Perhaps she's seen what... <laughs> I'm with Michelle. Anecdotes. <laughs> you know, the government to make potions and stuff. I'm with Michelle. I am. Why would you make it such a big deal about it? And of course, the problem here, or really the setup, because we know the Brad Pitt's movie is coming out, World War Z, is that the CDC came out a few months ago with a, a zombie preparedness uh, entire webpage uh, preparing for the zombie apocalypse. And I want you to listen to the spokeshole for the CDC uh, talking about, now this was one of those satellite things where he's just sitting in a room with a CDC logo on a monitor in the background, and he's answering questions via remote, and everyone gets the same video. 
Listen to how he's talking and tell me. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to give it away. Just listen. We were coming up on hurricane season and we were really looking for a novel and innovative way to engage the American public in their own preparedness. And we had recognized that during the recent tragedy in Japan uh, on our Twitter feed, there was a lot of buzz when people had mentioned zombies. So when my communications director came to me and said, let's think about using. <laughs> Do you hear it? Do you hear what? Do you hear? <laughs> Listen to how he breathes. Zombies has a way to get people to engage in personal preparedness. I said, absolutely, let's go for it. Established a zombie task force. And then using existing resources and social media, we put together this campaign. You didn't hear it? No, I don't hear anything. It's just a guy talking. Listen to how he breathes. Listen again. The I response, can't hear him breathing. Yes, listen. has absolutely been excellent, uh, much more than we had ever expected. So usually I get about 3,000 odd people uh, that examine uh, the blog that I put together. Uh, in- okay. The guy is a zombie. Uh, he's, re- he's like this. This case we've got over when we were so far have had over about 2 million hits. Uh, <gasps> this guy he's got is, emphysema or something. He's a zombie. Sounds terrible. Well, let me save the show with this clip. Ready? Yeah. Okay, so I'm this is the light clip I've been saving. So I'm watching it. That just comes right out of it. There's a bunch of Trekkie guys, Trekkers, you know, Star Trek guys talking about the, the these parties. They do a party every year, and it's getting bigger and bigger and more successful. And this is what you can expect if you ever go to one of these things. We've been having this party now for years. It seems like every year it gets to be a little bit more fun. And a couple more people come. And, you know, it started off small, and now the younger people are coming. And this year we had a girl come and everything. <laughs> Okay. Clip of the day. <laughs> A girl actually came to our party. <laughs> that is pathetic. <laughs> I like that. That good. Good one. One of our producers pointed something out about Syria. You know, he's, you know, oh, by the way, before you go into that. Uh-oh, New York Times. No. Oh. We talked about on the last show, there was something that was going to change. There was, so what was the reason the for point. the background? I said pipes. Yeah. You know, pipe. Remember that? Mm-hmm. You know what the thing might actually be with the Russians? Mm-hmm. Somebody came up with this stat, just threw it out. Syria accounts for 10% of all Russian arms sales. And one of the things that's, that we've not really done, we, we go into the oil companies, we go into the pipeline companies, but we, we have kind of left the arms dealers out of the uh, equation when we come to this kind of international intrigue. 10% of all Russian arms sales... Goes to Syria? Yeah. Well, there's another... There's an, there's, okay, this, this fits in nicely. So we know they have that... The port there, Tartus... Is the port the naval base? Yeah, they need a big base there so they can bring the arms. In. Ah, no, no. Here it is. Here, here's here's what I got. Um, two thousand eight. That's when we had the uh, Ossetia War. The Russians were planning to deploy. Uh, so the U.S. of course deployed the the missile defense shield in Poland. President Assad agreed to convert the port into a permanent Middle East base for Russia's nuclear-armed warships. And since 2009, they've been renovating the naval base, 
dredging the port to allow access for the larger naval vessels so they can have their own nuclear armament shield. This now makes sense with Iron Dome and all that crap. So not only do we not want the Russians, we want to take away their arms sales business, we don't want them deploying a missile shield right there, right, right, out, right up from Israel. Mm. It, it, we, well, we know from the last show that this is about the Russians. I mean, that's been confirmed. Yeah. We already knew it was, but now it's starting to come together. This is screw the Ruskies. Well, or, or we want something from them. Yeah. I mean, we They're did a busy. deal. This whole thing was do- going along fine when the Exxon guys did a deal with the with Putin. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next thing you know, and Putin apparently is the arms dealer. Uh, the next thing you know, it goes south. And now we got this conflagration that's just like completely out of control. We don't know, you know, we can't really deconstruct it. It's like... The Russians have got something to do with it, obviously, but uh, we, I think we need to keep digging. CNN has been, uh, you know, CNN is great to watch because no one else watches it. So everything I play from CNN is new and fresh. Uh, but it's also, of course, because they are just like ABC. They're basically part of the Ministry of Truth. So throughout all of the bad stuff that was happening in Egypt, we had riots and all kinds of stuff going on. Not a peep out of them. No Anderson Pooper there in Tahrir Square. And then all of a sudden, what do we see? News tonight, Hosni Mubarak is going to die in prison. That is a judgment handed to him today in Cairo, life in prison. A civilian court holding the 84-year-old former Egyptian president responsible for the deaths of 840 people during the historic revolution that forced him out of office. The verdict, not terribly surprising, though. I want you to take a look at the scene right now in oh, Cairo. Live pictures now to Square, where the biggest Arab Spring Revolution was born. Woo! It's after 11 p.m., and Tahrir Square is packed with Egyptians, both overjoyed and furious. You can see the crowds there. Oh, yeah. So we're live back on Tahrir Square now. But this is a farce. If you look at the elections... Did you see the percentage of people who voted in Egypt for the for what, the first runoff? What was it? Forty one percent. It sounds like, it sounds like one of our elections. Yeah, so it's not. There was no revolution. There's not the people aren't like, yeah, great. No, they're gonna they're gonna just vote in a new shill, a new CIA shill. You know, I've been reading up on uh, on Egypt. And you know, there's a lot of Egyptians who don't who are not on Tahrir Square. There's 80 million Egyptians. I might point out. Uh, who were saying, hey, hold on a second, this is bull crap. You're just putting in a new shill. Economically, I'm looking at the Financial Times um, here. Um, there was only 2% of Egyptians below the poverty line. This guy actually, from the way, economically, from the way I see it, did a lot of good for the country. Well, you never know it, but... Or even consider that as a possibility if you uh, follow any of the story. So he's on the front page of the New York Times with bars across him. Yeah. He's, he's wearing sunglasses for some reason. Yeah. I, I thought that was pretty funny. He's got sunglasses <laughs> and a yeah. watch. Yeah. And a, kind of an expensive. Doesn't look like prison garb. You know, the. Um do you remember the really pretty girl, the um, Asma Mafus? She was one of the um, techno experts on the ground. 
she would she would be interviewed. Really, really pretty Egyptian girl. Spoke really good English. Vaguely, yeah. Yeah. So you know where she showed up the other day? No, where? Uh, with with Lucifer Clinton at the State oh. Department with a whole bunch of techno experts. She's there with like guys from Tunisia, from Libya, and she's right there saying and 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 Lucifer's thanking him, clippity clop. Mm. So obvious. But you know what we're fed is we're fed, oh, this is great, you know, another dictator toppled. <sighs> I, I don't think we can fight it anymore. Who said that we could fight it in the first place? No, I had some ideal. Uh, apparently. <laughs> How Not me. How stupid of me. Yeah, I know. How stupid. So uh, another uh, aspect of the EU crisis. I get one last clip. I'm short on clips today. I didn't think there was that much that went on since Thursday. Except Krugman or Krugman or whatever you want to say. This is a good one. The foreboding of war. This was another uh, British. Uh, I think this was on just the news news day. And I thought this was a uh, little, little, little hint about what things to come. Is that my cue? Yeah, it was. The whole austerity project is seen. A disorderly breakup of the euro is so unthinkable that economists find it hard to model. But at least they are thinking about it. The problem is, for the centrist politicians and civil servants who run Europe, they don't even want to think about it. And when you look at what's happening in Greece, on the streets, you can see why. The old split between left and right is still there underneath. It still simmers. There's still a lot of... Uh, people have a sense of their family histories, of the political history of the country. So your grandfather killed my your grandfather. Your grandfather, yes. Your, and that could come back. Your grandfather killed my grandfather. It's already coming back. Ah. Ah. Your grandfather took my bike. So, well, the... <laughs> so this is like a setup, seems to me. Just yeah. the story alone. Yeah. All hell's going to break loose. This going to be a. Uh, this can't be good for uh, the stock market. Oh, yeah. No, I really care. The only, I look at the stock market for two things. Uh, by the way, nice to see the gold popped up fifty bucks in one day. Well, that was for damn good reason. Well, so they yeah. come out with these jobless numbers and these the guys in the toilet. Yeah. Well, so you basically prove my point that when everything comes crashing down, people will run to gold. They tend to, yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, like the superstitious people they are. <laughs> it's okay, John, because you can always get a sandwich at my house here in Austin. I can get a sandwich. I, I buy. Uh, I buy my beef on the hoof. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing I look at is just with glee, just with glee, as the uh, as the proof that advertising on the internet is a farce, as Facebook continues to crash. And and uh, and they went down. <laughs> it just made me laugh. Facebook went down. I remember the, if you saw the movie, Zuck Zuck saying the Facebook never goes down. The Facebook never goes down. Let me explain something about the mechanic. I've been wanting to do this. The mechanics of advertising on the internet. Why it doesn't work? It's about supply and demand and inventory. When you have a television program. There is a limited supply of time. It's a finite, defined amount of time that can be used for advertising. Now, they can expand that, but you, know, you run into all kinds of problems because then you have no program left, and we're approaching that tipping point. 
But there's only one drink manufacturer that can have its cup on, you know, it's called category exclusivity, that can have its cup uh, on the judges' tables at, a, at American Idol, and that's Coca-Cola. And so, you, you, you know, that's been sold, and there's a bidding war going on for that. And, you know, Coke wants to do it, and they sponsor basically the whole program. And, you know, the, 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 the contestants sign away their lives, do commercials, and they, they actually air these commercials in the show. But it's finite. It's limited. There's only so much. And that's why, that's why there's supply, which is limited, and demand. And when you have some numbers, which are good numbers, you know, 10, 20 million, then you're going to be able to set a higher price. When you have the Internet... The inventory is unlimited. So the more people you have who are getting an ad, the the lower the price is going to be. So you may be able to sell more ads, but the price is going to be driven down. Unless you can argue it any other way, John, the market of Internet advertising really, when it comes to display, has no future. Well, I think it has a future. It's just a grim future. Well, it, it, I don't think ads are going to disappear from the internet, and I think no. there's still have to go to ad tech, which is that. I would, if people want to get follow this in any real way and actually try to learn something, I would recommend uh, finding the ad tech main site, and then uh, every time they do one of these shows, they have them all over the world. They have one in San Francisco, they have one in New York, they got one in Hong Kong, they got them all over the place. Go to the site and then. Try to find the, the cache of podcasts. Every speech that's given at AdTech is available as a one-hour download. And you can f- pick and choose what you want to listen to. And you can listen to these guys. And you learn quite a bit about the advertising game as it exists today because it changes every, like constantly because of what Adam just described. It, everyone's aware of this problem, and they're always trying to adjust and fix it. And and if you listen to these these podcasts or these downloads of the of the of the lectures that you'd have to pay to listen to if you were there, uh, you you can kind of catch what they're up to uh, in advance of them actually doing it. It's actually quite educational for just about anybody. And so, what do you what have you deduced from uh, following this? Your your basic premise is correct. Uh, video seems to be very popular right now, and it seems to have been for a while. And it's but it, videos all. The reason that you see all these five-minute shows and these eight-minute shows and all this because nobody can – they've never been able to monetize uh, in uh, – what's the name? In situ, in situ, in situ, in, or whatever it's called. In, 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 interspersed, in, inter, interstitial. Interstitial. They've never been able to monetize the interstitial ads because they don't know if anybody's seeing them. So they can just – so they just pre-roll. Yeah. And they'll, they figure somebody sees that. That's what you're bitching about constantly because every time you click on something, there's a stupid pre-roll. Yeah, I don't see and it. And they don't even know if that's effective. That's no. just a crapshoot. They, they're, they're, they're experimenting. It's not a done deal one way or the other. Right. But I think the, the issue of scarcity – the lack of scarcity on the internet drives the price down. So, you, you, yes, Facebook can have 900 million people, but the marketplace is just saying, okay, that's great. You know, I'll take, uh, I'll take a thousand for a penny because you got 900 anyway. I, you know, pff, you know, whatever. There's enough of it. it. It's just a natural occurrence. So it just, they, there's just no way to grow. And yeah, of course there'll be advertising on the internet. Of course there will be, but it's not. I was I was sitting at Halcyon uh, yesterday after the market. Halcyon is a great little bar here on Fourth uh, Street and 
I think it's Guadalupe. And you can sit outside, and their motto is everything that's bad for you. Alcohol, nicotine, caffeine. And so basically you can sit outside, smoke, drink coffee, drink bottomless mimosas. They got food. It's fantastic. And I hear some douche pitching some other guy about a website for tattoo artists. <laughs> and the venture's like, so how are you going to monetize this? Oh, advertising. Oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh, God. What, you didn't it. turn around and tell him? <laughs> no. Give him no. a lecture? No. Of course, it was too entertaining. <laughs> well, this happened in the late 90, 99, 2000, when the whole dot-com thing crashed. These guys were singing the same song about advertising. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's just there's no, just look at Flickr. I mean, they have a whole bunch of eyeballs. They've never been able to monetize that site. Instagram's no. never going to make no. any money, no. except for selling it to some sucker. No. I, I'm and, not, uh, sorry. And I agree. I think Facebook is like that's a that is the worst market. It's not even you can make some money if you have a very specialized targeted site that's about you know the the, the nut and bolt business and, and machine tools. Say you have a machine tool site and it's a very exclusive and you have subscribers. Yeah, people and will pay for that. Their, people will pay for that. And they'll pay for that. And then yeah. you could put ads on there and get top dollar. Mm-hmm. But that is, short of that, okay. just having a general public of a bunch of douchebags, the, the whole <laughs> 900 million people, <laughs> half of them in China. I mean, well, who are you going to advertise? What are you going to advertise for the Chinese that they're on the Facebook? It doesn't make any sense. Douchebag. It's a disaster. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me see if that's available. Hold on. Before the... <laughs> <laughs> douchebook hold on douchebook.com let me see if i can register that real quick <laughs> wouldn't that be great if there was a douchebook.com oh let me see two, two, two. come on come on come on come on come on ah crap someone already has it somebody has douchebook douchebook well are you on twit today Yes, I am. Oh, good. I've programmed you. <laughs> I've been successful. Now they're going to start talking about Facebook because that's what they do. And you're going to be like, man, it was crap and advertising don't work. And you're all set. You're good to go. Yeah, thanks. You're prepped. Thanks, boss. <laughs> you're prepped. I will say I'm working on a project. Uh, it'll be a non-money-making project because there's no money on it. What else is new? Yeah, there's no... <laughs> This par for my career. There's no money in it, uh, but I need uh, some help from any of our techno uh, experts out there, our sysadmins, but really developers. If you can develop Apache and uh, particularly in uh, Apache uh, modules and or PHP, uh, I've got, a, I think, a really fun project and would take uh, probably one one engineer, one developer could work with me. And it would be, I think, something outstanding that could really catch fire. No one would own it, and it would be a lot of fun. Uh, and as I said, there's there's no money in it. I got no money to pay you. As we live on the value-for-value value, uh, concept here, which is why we don't have ads, because uh, we can make uh, a living of just getting by by you helping us and donating to the show. Uh, we can't have ads because we could we'd be restricted. This is another problem with advertising that we can't talk about the things we want to talk about. So consider us. Yeah, because we basically you put a bunch of effort into getting an advertiser, and you you could you cajole them and you groom them, and then they're your advertiser, and then you say one thing, and somebody calls the advertiser. These guys are a couple of nutballs. You shouldn't be advertising with them, and they pull the ad immediately. Yeah. It takes nothing to get it. No. These advertisers are Pussies. squeamish. They're skittish. Yep. 
they're really, you know, and you had to deal with them. I rarely deal with them. I mean, here, here's an experiment just to prove that the theory is true. When you're on Twitter today, say, man, Ford really sucks. <laughs> Give that a try, will you? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be doing that. Yeah, keep an ear tuned in. You know. <laughs> just to prove the point, John. It's just to prove the point. Yeah. <laughs> it, I think the point's well proven. <laughs> I don't think the experiment is necessary. All right. Thanks to all of our artists who provide us outstanding art at noagendaartgenerator.com. That's where you can upload your art. Uh, don't be discouraged if it's not used because we frequently go back and pick up pieces for Evergreens. And they Evergreens. get used in the newsletter, too, by and the yeah, way. Yeah, they get used in the newsletter. You'll have another one on Wednesday, another one of John C. Dvorak's Outstanding Tomes. And, of course, as always, the show notes, 414.nashownotes.com is the show notes for today's episode. And we'll be back, God willing. God-fearing, on Thursday with another episode here of uh, No Agenda. Coming to you from the capital of the Drone Star State, it's Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And finishing off here from Northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back again Thursday, same time, same bat channel. Wait for the bat signal here on No Agenda. We've been having this party now for years. It seems like every year it gets to be a little bit more fun. A couple more people come. You know, it started off small. Now the younger people are coming. And this year we had a girl come. Adios, mofo. Dvorak.org slash N-A.